How can you trust a man who wears both a belt and suspenders? Welcome to the Movie Ladder Podcast. We're all about cinematic connections. Each week we're discussing a movie that connects to the movie from the previous week's podcast. I'm Zach Brooks, and I'm joined for the 163rd time by... Brandon Fitzpatrick, um, or as I would say with a harmonica in my mouth, yeah do you have we need like entrance music for both of us or like theme score that plays for each i know uh, character like, um can mine sound like the imperial march like jason's robards does yeah i was yes uh, <laughs> uh we're already we're already making the star wars comparisons because i was thinking a lot about that um yes uh, i actually thought um i thought frank's music was a little bit more darth vadery than uh then uh it fluctuates it fluctuates because his yeah we we can get into it when we actually start talking about this movie but there's some significant scourge behind this movie i'm very excited scourge yeah um yes uh well we're already talking we've had one of these podcasts in the past i don't remember which one it was or we immediately were talking about a movie and it ended up being the one that we picked for the following week Mm um i'd have to look and see if i could point pinpoint what it is but we're already talking about star wars like 30 seconds into this (laughs) podcast so um you know maybe we're going to be doing star wars next week maybe we are maybe we are but i thought um, it might have been into the wild maybe was it i don't know so intrepid listeners will tell us um i mean it's happened a few times definitely i think it happened with back to the future and said we already know what we're doing next week listen everybody we're doing back to the future next week let's just say it at the top yeah and then and then we talked about the movie that we i don't think that's how that happened but um (laughs) You, you will be corrected. Uh, I, I probably right. will be, I'm sure. Yes. Well, when, when uh, last week, me. <laughs> yeah, last week we talked about uh, Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Yeah. And this week, due to uh, Alex O sending in his first, uh, his first suggestion that got picked, another Western, Once Upon a Time in the West, uh, you know, one of my all-time favorite, not just all-time favorite Westerns, but all-time favorite movies. Um, Brendan, it was a blind spot for you, so I was really excited for you to get to see it. And me to get to revisit it. I'd seen it twice a couple years ago and just really fell in love with it. So just to mm-hmm. really spoil my thoughts on it, there's not going to be a ton of negative coming from my direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we will be talking about Once Upon a Time in the West. Uh, then at the end of the episode, we will decide on our next movie. Maybe it's Star Wars based on suggestions by our listeners and Excellent. us, your hosts. So uh, we will be spoiling Once Upon a Time in the West. So if you haven't watched it yet, uh, it is on Showtime streaming. It's on if you have Paramount Plus with the Showtime edition. Um, but someday maybe that might just be Paramount Plus. I'm very yeah. Confused. They're they're in the process of merging all of those. Like I got an email from Letterboxd a couple weeks ago, with that was like a bunch of movies that used to be on Showtime were now saying they were available on Paramount Plus. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was one of them, or not Hollywood. I'm going to do that the entire podcast. Yeah. Once Upon a Time in the West was one of them, and so I went to Paramount Plus first last night looking for it on there, and when I went to actually watch it, it said. You can watch this on Paramount Plus by upgrading yes. your subscription to include the Showtime. But yeah. right now I'm already paying for Showtime with through the Roku channel. So I probably won't make that switch until they fully merge the two. And who knows when that's actually going to happen. Well, and I think the idea behind merging them is that if you are a subscriber to Paramount Plus, you will also have access to Showtime. That was right, my that's understanding, what I mean. that, you yeah, don't yeah. Have to, that you don't have to upgrade to get the Showtime content. Exactly. Uh, it's not there yet. Um, not quite there yet. So yes. Yeah. If, you, if you're a high roller on Paramount Plus and have the Showtime upgrade, you can watch it there. Um, you can rent it digitally. You can get it from your library. Although if you are getting it from the Ann Arbor library, be warned. That disc <laughs> is scratched. I found that out for myself last night. 
as I tried to watch this movie. Is there um, anyone else on listening getting it from the Ann Arbor Library? Who knows? You never know. You never know. Um, I hope yes. so. I hope we have lots of listeners all across the country. So, uh, yes, if you uh, if you don't want to be spoiled, go watch it in one of those places. I recommend it. It's very good. And come back, listen to this podcast. Uh, or if you just want to skip ahead here, we're going to be watching next week. Maybe it's Star Wars. Uh, timestamp is in the description of this podcast. So, you know, as always, we, we recommend watching the movie and listening to the discussion, though. And as always, submit your feedback to us at Ladder Movie on Twitter, the movie ladder at gmail.com. Also at Ladder Movie on Instagram as well. And the movie ladder on Letterboxd. It's all the ways to follow us. Um, well, Brendan, uh, should we get into the uh, technical difficulties that we had last week at all? Yeah, let's talk about it. Let's be up front with the listeners, um, you know. And we didn't do anything wrong. There's nothing for us yeah. to be up front about. Yeah, exactly. uh, yeah. so uh, last week, you, we recorded this on Skype, if anybody is curious or hasn't been mm-hmm. a guest. Uh, Skype is a little bit easier to use for podcast recording than Zoom is. There's no limits. And usually it processes the recording really quickly. It sounds, we think it sounds pretty good. Uh so, you know, and the podcast, the recording is supposed to start processing. I went to make dinner. I came back 45 minutes later. Usually it takes three minutes for the pro- podcast to process. Mm-hmm. And a recording was not there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Neither yeah. of us had a back. We didn't do any backup recordings. We just recorded the Skype recording. And Brendan and I, for about two and a half hours, thought we were definitely going to have to re-record the last podcast. And we're trying to figure out how yeah. we were going to do that. Yeah. So. Um, I mean, we could have made it work, especially with a movie as good as Tre- Treasure this year. Madre, it would have just been... A much shorter podcast where we were like, here's what I think I said last yeah. night about this yeah. about this movie. And here's mm-hmm. how I still feel 24 hours later. <laughs> well, we were joking. We were like, well, we're, we're going to go through the list of movies suggested. And right. maybe we end up with like a different outcome of right. not doing Once Upon a Time in the West. And we do some other movie. And that the it's alternate like the, universe ladder. Yeah, yeah, the alternate universe ladder. Exactly. But would have been uh, very funny. Luckily for everybody, that podcast did just turn up like late at night on t- mm-hmm. last Tuesday. Yeah, I think uh, it was like have, 11 p.m. Yeah, yeah it, was, it did uh, have some like weird audio processing issues. I don't know. It must have been on the Skype side, like mm-hmm. the Skype server or something. So, um, you know, fingers crossed that this one is recording correctly. But I'm actually like more encouraged using Skype that as close as we thought we came to losing a podcast, it still mm-hmm. showed up. So, you know, knock on yep. wood. We're, we're exactly. Yeah. And Zach, you're, you're a wizard at cleaning it up and editing and all that. So, I mean, you did the best you could with it. And yeah. I listened to the, I listened to the back end, you know, the next day as I, I usually will re-listen to a bit of the podcast just to see how it sounds, how I sound really. Mm-hmm. Um, And it, it was a little, it was a little choppy on the back end, but I think it was overall fine. Yeah, it was fine. So yeah. good enough. Good enough. What is it? Good enough for government work? Is that yeah, what they say? Yeah, exactly. No offense to uh, anybody on this call. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyways, well, we got a lot of other stuff to get to. And uh, Brennan, why don't we start with the best thing you watched this week? Uh, well, speaking of sweeping 1960s epics that I knocked off of my uh, blind spot this week, um, I watched the three-hour and 45-minute epic David Lean film, Lawrence of Arabia. Nice. This was what year my, is that from? I'm sorry? What year is that from? I know it's Big the 60s. Question. So. Uh, it's in the mid-60s, uh, 1962, so not okay. quite the mid-60s. Early um, so I watched this, uh, started it, you know, around noon on Super Bowl Sunday, finished up uh, before, well before the Super Bowl, which was nice. But um, I absolutely loved it. Uh, starring Peter O'Toole, Alec Guinness, uh, another 
the second fantastic Omar Sharif performance that I've watched in that I watched over the course of a week. I mean, watching him in Chicago the week before and then Lawrence of Arabia in this, I'm just like completely taken with him as an actor. He's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Peter O'Toole performance as the titular T.E. Lawrence is like over the top and over the moon. He's so good. Like just on the verge of just being a complete madman. Um, absolutely loved it. It's it's sweeping, it's epic, the score is beautiful, the setting is just miserable with but also beautiful against, you know, the massive desert landscape that it was shot in. Um yeah, I mean it's they don't make them like uh, Lawrence of Arabia or Dr. Zhivago anymore. Yeah. Um but do you I'm, feel- do you feel that you need to watch Bridge or Bridge on the River Kwai now? Because that's like to the get th- I think that's like the third, even though it's the first one to come out of those three, the yeah. third one in that trilogy of like David Lean epics. And it's and it's the Alec Guinness Blind Scots as well. Yeah, I yep. think I actually do because I have not seen Bridge on the River Kwai either. So it's sort of the last really, really big one. Um from the 60s that I think I need to knock off. Yeah. Um, it's always, was, it always makes me, I always think it's bridge over the River Kwai. It's bridge on the on River On the River Kwai, yeah. 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 So uh, um, that's not a 60s movie, so it's not going to be one of your film spotting. Yeah, but I, I still think I need to see it eventually. And mm-hmm. maybe next year when they go do the 50s, you know, it'll be it'll be the first one I knock off when they when yeah. they do film spotting madness for the 50s. Um, did you, um, speaking of movies that remind us of Star Wars, did you feel a lot of Star Wars influences? with? Little oh, Wars absolutely, yeah. yeah. Especially yeah. with the score and the desert and the, yeah. For, and, for sure. and Al Guinness being Al Guinness, uh, in yeah. both. Yeah, even yeah. though it's a very different role. In, in the very different movies. role, very yeah. different role. Um, um, yeah, no, really, I, I remember, well, I'm really glad I saw in the theater, although I did feel like in the theater I started losing a little bit of steam just because the movie's so long. It did have the intermission. Yeah. Um, and I think it was like a 15 minute intermission that they took. So yeah, they were like all day watching that movie. But um, yeah. yeah. And it's yet the second time in a row where the intermission isn't really halfway through the film. It's more like it's more like 60, per, 60 to 65% way through mm-hmm. the film. Like you get to the intermission in Lawrence of Arabia and it's a three hour and 45 minute movie. The intermission comes at the two hour and 15 minute mark. Mm hmm. Like it, it, there's an hour and 15 minutes left when you get to the intermission. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty wild. Um, but I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I was happy to knock it off on my list. And I also thought I would mention that I finally got to rewatch Wakanda forever after my report of my awful theater experience. The, uh, when I went to see it back in November when it was released, um, really good. I thought it held up really well. Um, the things that, you know, are an issue with it were still an issue, but solid Marvel. Solid Marvel film. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that it was um, a little yeah. bit different kind mm-hmm. of structurally than a lot of the Marvel movies. Uh, and good good timing for you to do that since uh, we both will be seeing Ant-Man this weekend. Yep. So, uh, that, that was going to be my best thing I'm watching this week. Well, that, that, I'm, that, I'm, uh, that I'm probably going to do. Most see. looking forward to watching. Yes. Yeah. There you go. Um, whatever it's called. Yeah. All right. Cool. <laughs> uh, what about you? My best thing. Um I guess I'll stick with the theme of being film spotting podfluenced and uh, they covered psycho last week. They did yes. a revisit of the leading up to their sixties madness. Um, and I hadn't watched psycho in years. Um, mm-hmm. and it's just like that. The movie is so, so tense. I had not seen it in quite a long time. Um, so I was really excited to revisit it. I still haven't actually listened to their podcast yet, but, um, there's just a lot that I've 
like kind of picked up on this the second time. The the biggest thing was I didn't realize there was a character named Loomis, which of course there's a mm. character named Loomis in Halloween and in Scream. I knew that the character in Scream was a reference to Halloween. I didn't realize the character in Halloween starring Janet Lee's daughter mm. was also a reference to this movie. Um, and just like how good and creepy Anthony Perkins is in this. Mm. He's really good. Um, yeah. As Norman Bates, like just like everything he does is just so eerie and weird. Um, and yeah. I think like one of the one of the great things about this movie is that just the plot goes a completely different direction than you expect going into this movie. Mm. And I don't I can't remember the first time I watched this. So I don't I don't remember the first watch. And like, I wish this was my first watch this last week because it would have been really fun to be surprised by some of that instead of like knowing yeah, where it was going. For but, sure. Um yeah, and there's just like there's a, there's an interrogation scene of Norman by the private investigator like towards mm. the like back half of the movie, and that was an insanely tense scene. It like you know the one that everybody talks about yeah. is the shower scene. Yeah, but I feel like that one especially where Norman is like nobody's been here for a while, and then he like he like slips up and he just like keeps catching himself in these lies. Mm. Um, so and then yeah, it's just. Really good movie. If you haven't watched, if you watch Psycho, it's yeah, it's I haven't playing. revisited it forever. I'd like to, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's a it's nice. a good one to to revisit. So nice. Um, Psycho is good. That is my headline. Yeah, uh, hot take. Hitchcock, uh, Hitchcock, pretty yeah. pretty good at this. Uh, a similar <laughs> movie I also watched is Fresh this week, which yeah. I would just say the first like hour and a half of Fresh, I was like, oh man, this movie really is going to be in like my top mm-hmm. list of, and then it just takes a turn at the end that I did. Yeah. Know. That was how I felt about it as well. Like I really, I still overall really enjoyed it. Um, and I'm not a big horror movie guy, and especially not a big like body horror guy. But mm-hmm. I had a lot of fun with Fresh. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with Fresh. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, no, it was yeah. it was a fresh movie. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and I, yeah, I watched a lot. I actually watched a lot of movies about killers this week. Oh uh, man, turns out, so. yeah. getting ready for yeah. the killer in November. True, and Killer of the Flower Moon. So. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, speaking of people who are killers, should we just hop over to Once Upon oh, a Time in the West? I think we should. Yeah. Um, all right. So we've yeah. You you keep trying to do the score. I can't. I, I can't, know, even, I can't, do I it. can't replicate it. Like it's like I know the score when I hear it, but I can't do it. Like I can't do it from memory. Um, but yes, uh, scored by the great uh, 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 Ennio Morricone. Um, which I'm sure I just butchered his name. Marcone? Marconi? It's Marconi. Yeah. You had Marconi. it right. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Marconi. Cool. Yeah. Uh, or at least so most yeah. people say Marconi. Yeah. Yeah. I like I like just kicking things off with the composer, but this is, yeah, it's 1968 movie by uh, Sergio Leone, starring mm. Claudia Cardinal, uh, Henry Fonda, Jason Robards, Charles Bronson, Bronson, um, and you know, among others. But it's a it's a it's a Western movie, Sergio Leone. Jumping back into the westerns after he did the Man with No Name trilogy, mm-hmm. um, which was what the fifties? Oh, early? No, 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 no. was in the sixties. Yeah, in the sixties. So he, it wasn't really that he jumped back in. It was like no. he just continued. This was just, just him. This felt like his like coda to his whole genre of putting his stamp on the western. Mm-hmm. Like this felt like his final statement on the western genre. Yeah. You know what I mean? well, be, like it, and that's why I'd yeah. be curious about Duck You Sucker, um, yeah. which he made in 71. Same. And I don't know much yeah. about that, but I know it takes place in Mexico and it's about bikers. Mm. So, I mean, I feel like it's like it's like Western adjacent, it seems like. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, uh, no I mean, Clint Eastwood in this one, though. Uh, no, uh, but on but he actually did approach Eastwood first for the Charles Bronson role and Eastwood oh, turned him down oh, and okay. said, I'm, I'm done with the man with no name thing for now. 
mm-hmm. you know, I want to I want to try to do other stuff. And okay. so he went to Bronson instead and said, you know, I think, you know, I think you can be good with this. And Bronson needed some convincing, as did uh, Henry Fonda to, to mm-hmm. actually take part in this film. Um, oh, man. And Henry Fonda. Yeah. just I love that he's playing against type. He's this, yep. you know, this terrifying, like really does map pretty well onto the Darth Vader character, I feel like, where he's just sort of a mercenary for somebody who's a little bit, um, you know, for uh, the train, Mr. Choo Choo, which I'm, uh, what is his name? Mr. Choo Choo. Yeah. Mr. Morton. Morton. Mr. Morton, yes, Morton. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Who owns the train company. He's sort of like, I feel like that like really well maps onto the like Emperor. Right. Emperor Palpatine and Darth Vader. So. Yeah, Yeah, the, the attack upon his train left him scarred. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, and, and Charles Bronson, so, yeah, I mean, this was shortly after The Dirty Dozen was the year before yep. this. Um, exactly. Magnificent Seven and Great Escape had been earlier in the 60s, so yeah. he was already kind of a household name. But he had Yeah, not, he was. And he had he not was, yet done Death Wish, which is, I feel like, what um, I always thought. Uh, that was in the 70s, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, um, I think that the first thing we have to talk about with this film, Zach, and I don't want to completely take it over, but... No, it's good, yeah, because um, I don't know where to start. <laughs> I... Okay, so basically, Henry Fonda is our bad guy. Charles Bronson is our good guy. J- J- Jason Robards is our middle-of-the-road guy who we meet in the beginning, and we're not quite sure his intentions. Yeah, I and feel so like all you, three of these characters are like shades of gray. Exactly. Uh-huh. So you get this sort of similar map that you can map onto the good, the bad, and the ugly, where you get these three characters mm-hmm. who are all working at times opposed to each other and with each other and then finally the alliances are drawn at the end and i don't want to like the final alliances are drawn yeah and at we're, the very we're, end. we're false spoilers and, yeah. you know um i think that it's really really interesting that you know you so you meet charles bronson at the beginning of this film but it's after this really incredible opening scene that takes place at a train station that is almost entirely dialogue free aside from one line of dialogue from the train conductor about tickets, everything else is taken up by sound. Yes. And that's where I want to start this, mm-hmm. is that the sound in this movie is freaking incredible. Yeah, The sound design from the creaking of the doors to the scraping yep. of their boots against the wooden train from platform. The, from the very the, first scene. I mean, that yeah, opening scene is so epic, and it's like you yeah. hear the, like, rusty windmill yep, going. exactly, the wick. Yeah, and it's so wick. haunting yeah. and chilling. Um, mm. Yeah, no, and that's and I told you before you started, I said, yeah. hey, just make sure you turn your volume way up because well, I had there's it a up. lot of, like, yeah. background sounds. Um, I will say, I feel like technically, like, the sound mixing was not great. The, the syncing right. of the, like, there was, like, clearly dubbing that was happening oh yeah the rate. entire like movie the lips, yeah, yeah like the lips were not synced great at times um and there was also i feel like leveling of some of the sound effects where some sound effects are like kind of quiet and then all of a sudden there's a gunshot that blows out your ears but it uh, felt like there was a lot of intentionality in when the sounds come in and when they drop out as well because there are a lot of bird sounds where the sound of a bird alerts you to something else that's about to happen mm-hmm. whether it's danger or death or you know, or or some sort of other fatal issue, you'll hear the sound of a bird and then the sound of the birds will just suddenly stop. Like when the birds fly, right when we first meet McBain, right, where he's out hunting and we cut from that train scene where we're introduced to harmonica to the birds and you think that you're still at the train station, but actually you're on the McBain farm. Exactly. Um, 
so there's yeah there's a lot of really great use of sound um mm-hmm. i i especially really liked just the jack uh, i think it's jackie Elam playing the main guy at the train station um when he's sitting in the chair waiting for the train to arrive and there is a uh you know he wouldn't hurt a fly right Mm-hmm. To, yes. to get a little psycho uh, connection there. Oh, yeah. You were talking yep. about earlier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking more Westworld a, at that point. But yeah, also, also but psycho. Was, yeah. Um, yep. there, there's the whole thing about he wouldn't hurt a fly and then um, in psycho. But so there's this fly that's buzzing around his face and you just keep like waiting for him to actually lift up his hand and swat the fly away. And the sound of the you're just sitting there like entrenched in this sound of this fly. That he eventually like captures in the barrel of his gun. Yes, the weirdest freaking thing. It's it's like psychotic I mean, behavior, right? Yeah, like he he yeah. has the fly in the barrel, and then he he like covers the barrel with his finger. Yeah, it like it's just like he's torturing this fly. That exactly. and it's like yeah, there there you think of like the setting, and there's probably flies everywhere, mm-hmm. right? It's like this one fly that he's decided he's gonna pick on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and you like, see yeah. him. You also mm-hmm. see Woody Strode, who's also. Mm-hmm you know, highly recognizable, was listed as a special guest star in the opening yeah. credits. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the first time that people see this, and, and maybe for you too, did you expect that Woody Strode and Jackie Lynn were killed right No, away? I thought they were in the entire film. And I wish it didn't say guest starring because I would have, because I saw that and I was like, wait, but they're credited in the film. Why does it say guest starring? Way to shortchange Woody Strode. Mm-hmm. You know, way to shortchange your one person of color in this film. By calling him the guest star, and well, then it turns out being that a guest reason... star. You no, know, but sometimes being a guest star, like Heather Locklear was a guest star on Melrose Place, and it was right, like right, it's almost right, like right. if you're not the first credited person to be the special right. guest star, you're like the bookend. Uh, right, but that's that's different with TV than I think it is for film. Um, yeah, you don't, yeah, really see, you don't see special to, guest stars in film for sure. Not a lot. No, 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 no. no. Um, especially you know, it's the sort of thing you would get like in the Western TV shows of the time mm-hmm. for like the guest actor on the episode. Mm-hmm. You know. Like guest starring XYZ as this week's villain, you know. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I expected um Woody Strode and Jackie Love and the other guy whose name I'm blanking on to be in a lot more of the movie. Um. Unfor- unfortunately, they are not because no. they meet up with uh, Harmonica, but the just- highly skilled Harmonica mm-hmm. who can just like take off Harmon- three of the like I I just love I love that whole opening scene because it's like 15 minutes yeah. where you're just like slowly seeing like the train pull in you're hearing the ticker of like that that yeah, is just you like see a, the ticker great, tape and, yeah. yeah it's like a great mini movie where they're building up the mm. tension for the shootout for 15 minutes yeah. and then harmonica just takes all three of these guys out um well, and, and and they only hit him like once in the in the shoulder yeah and like as soon as the so the train pulls up to the station they're sitting there waiting on this train and the, there's a box of luggage that gets thrown off the train onto the platform where our three you know duster wearing henchmen are standing mm-hmm. and you're like and like so my mind instantly went nobody's getting off on this side he's gonna be on the other side of the platform when the train pulls away, like I instantly was like, oh, he's going to be on the other side and this is about to go down. Mm-hmm. And then he was. And I was like, yeah, there he is. And, and the, you, mm-hmm. um, you know, you you hear the harmonica playing. Yeah, and exactly. it's part of yep. the score. But it's also mm-hmm. he's play, like sometimes it's just the score playing the harmonica, but often it's him actually playing the harmonica exactly. to like yep. announce his arrival. And yep. then at the end of the movie, I I like 
one of the things I like so much is about this movie is like I feel like the whole movie you're kind of trying to figure out what's going on, where are the relationships, mm-hmm. like who knows who, why, how. It's like, almost like like Pulp Fiction where you're like, how are all these characters connected yeah. to each it's other? It's very Western tropey where basically Charles Bronson is on this mythic quest of vengeance against the man who wronged him years and years and years ago when he was a child. And he's yeah. been when he's a child and he's been thirsting for revenge for however long and he's finally going to get it and it's such a western trope that is used in still used to this day in modern movies well, he's you know? like he's like the new man and you know he's like the visit like the stranger who shows up in town yeah, right exactly and meanwhile yeah, you have yeah. him you have the other you have the other bandit you know cheyenne played by jason robard and mm-hmm. then you have um, you have this female character who's also new to town, played by McBain, Claudia yeah. Carton. Yeah, um, Jill McBain. The titular so, McBain, yes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, she comes in because she's she's the wife of mm. Farmer McBain, um, yep. who is who gets killed um, early yep. on in the movie. And I so think you have kind of these four mm. characters, you know, like, how are these four main characters, like, how are these stories connected, right? Like, what is this? Right. What does this, this farm have to do with this guy with the harmonica that has to do with this guy who was in prison? Right. Like that has to do with this villain, the super villainous guy. Yeah, um, and it turns out that you know Henry Fonda's character uh, Frank has been using Cheyenne costumes to frame Cheyenne's band for the killing at the McBain farm, as well as the you know because they're sitting there in these dusters that we see later on Cheyenne's men wearing when they come into the to the saloon um and confront harmonica at the beginning of mm-hmm. the film you know and they're like wait so you've seen these dusters before where well we definitely haven't like been killing anybody mm-hmm. like so th- there's this whole setup that ends up getting cheyenne and harmonica on the same side once cheyenne realizes that basically he's been framed for this slaughter at the McBain farm Mm-hmm. yeah and 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 he was he was just being transported to a new prison at this point too and right. so yeah like you're you're it's a lot of like it's like complicated character relationships especially mm-hmm. between harmonica and cheyenne and then also between both of them and jill yeah. as well and what i love is just the way that the whole movie comes together and then you do get the flashback at the end leading into the 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 uh mm-hmm. duel between yeah. Frank and Harmonica, and you find out the significance of the harmonica and why exactly. harmonica has it. And that him having the harmonica like in the dying moments, and he even says, like, because the whole time Frank is like, Tell me who you are. Like, what yeah, you know, why are you he doing keeps this? saying names? Every time yeah. he asks him his name, he gives him two or three different names of people that Frank knows he killed. Right. Yeah. And so and it's he says, that, I'll tell my you, I'll tell you in your dying yeah. moments who I am. Yeah. And the it's, way that he announces mm-hmm. it is that he puts the harmonica in Frank's mm-hmm. mouth. And makes him blow. Yeah. And it's, yeah, and then it, like, Frank realized, I mean, he might have done this to a lot of people, so who knows. But mm-hmm. I think, like, he, he does he does kind of put the pieces together right as he's about to die. Um, and, you know, that moment, I, I did think, like, they kind of, um, Sir Giuliani kind of overused the flashback a little bit. Like, once we get the first flashback. Yeah. We kind of got then, it. like we don't need the shot again of him on the ground with the harmonica in his mouth. Like we, we know who that is. That was like that's one thing that I will like critique the movie on. Um, well, and that's something that you know is gonna get taken and used in so many revenge movies 
in you know 50 years afterwards this after this movie came out i mean that that, that i mean spoilers for quick and the dead but this is exactly oh true yeah taken similar, you know yeah. from from the quick of the dead i mean the mm-hmm. quick of the dead ta- steals directly from this movie that idea mm-hmm. yeah you know and it's so it's very like there it gets used a lot it's very tropey for revenge stories for somebody to have a specific reason it's even like it gets used by as a horror trope as well like <laughs> and i'm sure about, it was used in i'm sure that that trope was used in westerns before this oh, as I'm well sure. where it's like coming back to town to avenge my you know my and parents I'm, or whatever but yeah, and i'm um, not using trope in a bad way i'm using trope in a like this is w- one of the signatures of this genre mm-hmm. that kind of works every time mm-hmm like it's still like like really compelling plotline because people like an anti-hero who's out on a you know se- what what's the word I'm looking for a um a, ve- a quest for vengeance that feels earned mm-hmm. you know what I mean like not not quite a not quite heroic but a a meaningful quest for vengeance you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Yeah. Like especially in a longest time like the West, and it, that's why it works in westerns or gangster mm-hmm. picks. Well, and yeah. I do think like I, I, what did you think about the way young Frank looks in that in that flashback? Like he's I, got he's clearly got a, a wig on. Um, um, so this is the thing. This is the look. I did some research on this. This is actually the look that Henry Fonda showed up to set with, and Sergio Leone was like, "I don't like this." shave the beard, cut the hair, you need to look like Henry Fonda. But mm-hmm. then he ended up using that look that Fonda showed up with for the flashback scenes. So I think it works to give you, like, the the uber-villain look because you also you want to have, like, at first not be 100% sure that Henry Fonda's a bad guy mm-hmm. at the beginning of this film. You know what I mean? Like, you you... Because you're so used to trusting Henry Fonda. Well, and I mean, I feel like because this is a Western genre, too, you're just everybody's Mm. like different shades of gray. And I did say like shades of gray. I do feel like Frank is very much like charcoal gray. Um, and it's mm-hmm. represented in his outfits, right? He's always oh, wearing for black. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And and he's, you know, he's like the man in black that ends up being, again, like a trope in Western right. movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, in, and in Westworld. Yeah, you even get the shootout by the clock tower as he's yes. walking down the street in like high noon. You yep. know, it's... Um, and what I what I do like about the flashback, I, I think like they do a good job of making him look younger, but it's obviously like it's the same actor, oh, right? Yeah. It's not Charles Bronson because it's a kid actor playing the Charles right. Bronson character. Right, right, right. Um, but did you notice that in that Frank is in blue? So he's not yeah. in black. And I think right. that that's because this is early on. He's also Frank not wearing a hat. Yeah, being an outlaw, right? He's mm. yeah, he's he is not fully. He's like still Anakin Skywalker at this point. Right, he's right, not right. fully Darth Vader that he fair. is at the, in the current timeline of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, so a little other color theory that I noticed is like, and I actually have this in my initial review of this mm. movie, um, from when I watched it a few weeks or a few years ago, is that the bright redness of that apple that Frank's henchmen yep. are eating in the in the um, flashback, it's yeah. the only it's the only like huge pop of color i feel like in this movie yeah like you don't really even see blood like even when so late in the film uh you know harmonica and cheyenne split up because harmonica is going to deal with frank and his men at the town after they you know tried to get the McBain farm in an auction he's gonna do his part of the plan there while Cheyenne takes his men to deal with Morton and the train. Mm-hmm. And 
Frank is going to go back to the train after escaping town, find the train wrecked, all these men dead, Norton on the ground, but there's no, there's very little blood. Like, you don't really see cops of blood, you just see the bodies on the ground. Mm-hmm. So, there's, so there's very little actual, quote-unquote, bloodshed. Like, even when Harmonica gets shot at the beginning of the movie through the arm, you only see the you only see the bullet hole in his jacket. You never actually see him bleeding. Yeah. Um, you do. Yeah. I guess the only wound that really looks super bloody is the yeah. blue, the wound that fatally kills Cheyenne or right. fatally wounds Cheyenne. Exactly. Um, and, you know, I will say like, so one thing just to kind of like step away from the movie a little bit, that's something I yeah. wanted to bring up at the beginning. I didn't think about it is, um, so we're we're recording this on February 14th, 2013, yeah, 20, yeah. 2013, 2023. Yes, Valentine's Day. Um, so basically, as soon as I finished watching this movie last night on February 13th, mm-hmm. news started circulating of some bad stuff going on in East Lansing, where Michigan yeah. State is, where I'm from originally. And there was mass shooting there last night. And it basically, like, it came out, like, you were still watching the movie when this news I came out. Like, you missed movie, yeah. all of it. And I, yeah. was, I was following it along, obviously, like, very still pretty upset about it mm-hmm. um and it, it, like i love this movie and i was feeling so good and the, that news like really kind of like like tainted the way i was feeling after seeing this movie yeah um it is a nice escape to talk about this but it is like it does feel a little there's a, something a little odd to me about like after a, a mass shooting watching this movie that like doesn't really glorify gun violence but it doesn't condemn gun violence either right right? i mean you're you're celebrating we're we're celebrating the fact that cheyenne and and uh harmonica gunned a bunch of people down to win a war Mm -hmm. rather than winning it through an auction you know Mm -hmm. like they they had to resort to violence to win their and we're said we're they are supposed to be our heroes and it's just like a it's it's something i have to like separate in my mind mm -hmm. sometimes with this because it's just for me and it's it's different for other people but like for me it's like i can i can separate like kind of problematic elements of art and things like that Mm -hmm. um and in this type of experience right where i'm watching a movie that's a lot of shooting a lot of gun violence separated from real life gun violence that was really tragic and and really upsetting that happened last night but it just like the timing is just so weird, especially to be watching one of my favorite movies and then have yeah, this happen. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, it, yeah. it's it's definitely awful. Um, you know, and it, I mean, I've been I've been following the news since last night since you sent it to me, and I mean, it's just there's no easy way to talk about you know the awfulness of gun violence, like gun no, violence. And there's no and there's no and easy answers. Like, and there, yeah, exactly. And there's no easy way to talk about it. And also talk and also compartmentalize and try to rationalize a movie like Once Upon a Time in the West. Well, compartmentalize like is a good word yeah. for it. That's a, that's kind yeah. of the word I was looking for. There's yeah. no easy way to compartmentalize sometimes, and yeah. it sucks. Like, I mean, you know, it. But on the other hand, like I could also see like I don't think any movie that we could be watching this week would make us feel better about the events that are happening in the world around us. Right. I mean, that's awful. Like, I mean, and that's like, we well, feel like I can't, when we started you know, this podcast, right? We started this podcast in 2020 and then COVID happened and it was like, right. there were upsetting things happening like every, every day in 2020. Yeah, every right? yeah. So yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just like, you know, movies are definitely an escape. They're escape for me. I am glad mm-hmm. we're not doing like John Wick because I right. feel like John okay. Wick is like, very much glorifying uh, elements of gun violence. I mean, not glorifying, but like very much like there's just a lot of gun violence in John Wick and lots of killings. So um, I just thought like, 
yeah, kind of for some context setting for me. That was mm-hmm. that was and you know, who knows how different the context would be if the news came out and then I try to watch this movie. Right. It might be even harder. So that's um, also fair. But I was, uh, before that news came out, after I finished this movie, I was feeling so good. I was like, oh, I'm so glad that this movie that I really loved two years ago, like, completely still held up for me. Um, And there's just, like, it's, I don't, even though it, like, borrows from other movies and other movies have borrowed from this. Absolutely. um, It feels such, such for me, like, a wholly unique experience. Like, I don't think there's any other movies that are quite this movie. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's very, it's very, very close to Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, and okay. I kind of wish that I hadn't just watched that mm, earlier mm-hmm. this year, and that this had been my, like, most recent singular Sergio Leone experience, mm-hmm. because I feel like the entire time I was comparing it in my head, even without necessarily meaning to, to The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, which I think is a superior film. Oh, interesting. But I think is, this is superior, obviously. But is very comparable in a lot of ways, especially mm-hmm. mapping on the three titular characters in mm-hmm. both. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, um, I, th- yeah, I think what I really love about this is just, like, the pacing yeah. and the way that, like, you have these really long build-ups. I mean, it's a movie that you you got to keep your phone away. Like, oh, it's, it's very easy to hop on your phone or something like that with a movie that's this slow to develop. And you'll be like, OK, I can kind of keep an eye on it. Mm. Um, and if I could ever find this movie in a theater, I would love to go see it in the movie theater. Um, but the payoff each time, like mm-hmm. of these scenes that are building up, you know, like I think about like the scene where, where Cheyenne and and Harmonica meet in the bar. And we haven't really even so talked really. much about Jill. But, you know, like just the the kind of story about Jill and what we find out about her that her background yeah. and that she's actually was married to McBain and this sets off all of these events. And, and very, then, like, very newly married to McBain. Like McBain had gone on a trip to New Orleans, met Jill, fell in love with her, married her, and then went ahead without her back to Sweetwater to, to set to everything come. up, to prepare mm-hmm. everything for her arrival. Yeah. And, and hadn't told his kids yet that they had already gotten married. No, because yeah. she was coming for the wedding. Like they exactly. were supposed to be having oh, a wedding, wedding, wedding right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, that like just kind of the journey that her character takes mm-hmm. and that she's like ultimately at the end of this, like this you you can watch this movie as being Jill's story. And these are all like yeah. kind of side characters that make this this character of Jill who arrives in town and in just a couple days later is like gonna be in charge of this new town exactly yeah that that's the thing that i really loved is that i was thinking a lot about the show deadwood Mm, when i mm -hmm. was watching this um in fact deadwood the movie might come up later in my connections um i haven't decided quite yet what my final suggestions are going to be but there's a lot of parallels you can draw between the jill character you know being the leader of this town and surrounded by all these shades of gray, awful people. And she's just trying to build a better society for the kids and for the people that have been under the thumb of the awfulness, you know, of the town next door for so long in Flagston. Flagston. Right. Well, and she's, I mean, you know, she's so she's, strong-willed too that they're like, okay, Joe, like you should, you know, um, I think of, I think his name was Sam, the older yeah, man. Yeah, Sam, the, Sam the wagon driver. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, okay, let's go back into town. You don't need to stay out on the ranch by yourself anymore. And she's like, no, no, I'm going to stay out here. Exactly. And she's going to, she's going to kind of take command of this, this situation that she's in and that 
where we end up with the movie is that she's now bringing like at the end of the movie and water is so significant in this we haven't even talked yeah, about water that much for sure but that she's bringing water to all the people that are building out the town and building out the railroad and you can see that like we could have a sequel to this movie that takes place like 20 years in the future and yeah. she is the power player like she has assumed she the town, yeah. the role of um of morton basically where yeah. she's like the major power player in this town yeah um, uh played by margo martindale um let's do it claudia carnell claudia carnell no set 30 years later and play oh, let's see let's set like, the wait, sequel what? 30 years later yeah played by margo martindale let's do it oh like um, a justify like a justify yeah like a, <laughs> yeah and timothy oliphant can play the son of jason robards or something mm-hmm. um but yeah no what i really love is once both harmonica and cheyenne realize why frank wants Nick Bain's land so bad mm-hmm. because when they expand the railroad, they're going to have to go through a water source and the nearest water source to Flagstone comes through the Sweetwater property right. that McBain bought. He, McBain had set all of this stuff up to build an entire town around his farmhouse. He's, he's and, an empire basically. Yeah, right? And like, Frank was like, I want that empire. And, mm-hmm. you know, and then, you know, I feel like, you know, it's obviously we see water being significant. We were talking about yeah. water being significant mm-hmm. in um, in Lawrence of Arabia. Obviously, yeah. we've had water being significant the last couple of weeks. Treasure, especially. Treasure of the Sierra Madre yeah. and Wild. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. And so, you know, that's like water being significant is something you see in a lot of movies. But Are I think the significance of water. The what? <laughs> Are we doing way of water next? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, the uh, what you're seeing, though, like especially on the rewatch of this movie, mm. once you know that this movie is about the value of land and the value of water is the water. I have a list of like 20 times water or some form of water shows up in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I really feel like that's the type of thing that does not play as well. The first time that you see parts of it, you know, there's the bathtub, but even that opening scene, Woody Strode's character is standing under the water tower yeah. and the water that is was... dripping on him. And it's like one of the first things you see is like the water dripping and he uh, actually like lets it collect in his hat, takes it from his hat and dri- and like pours it into his mouth. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, and we have the bathtubs, we have the well, yep. we have Jill asking for water in the bar, we have the um the flushing toilet on the train. Yep. Um, the laundry, Ooh, the water tanks, the train, man. yeah, the the paintings. The, you mm-hmm. know, they talk about uh, Morton talks about how you know his his dream, and mm-hmm. you know, like Morton is just kind of a guy who's trying to like. He's not he's villainous, but he's not necessarily like a bad guy. No, he's a he's a um Westward expansionist. Yes. Like and he, he wants that, to build the railroad from one ocean exactly. to the other. He wants to go Atlantic yeah, to the He's Pacific. an expansionist. He's an yeah. a, or industrialist, I think mm-hmm. is the word that I would use. He's an industrialist. He's trying to basically make sure that full westward expansion can happen and also profit from it along the way. You yeah, because this is a, in like the the time period of this too that we're seeing like this is unexplored. Mm. You know, we where we see harmonica leaving. The harmonica goes yeah. beyond where the train is is at, right? Like mm. he doesn't want to go back towards civilization when this movie's over. He wants to just exactly. go to like in you know really kind of like uh, Christopher McCandless. Like he just wants yeah. to be out like away Keep from Westing, society. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's what Jason uh, the the Cheyenne character says about him too. Like. What did you think that after saving your farm, he would stay here and fall in love with you? Mm-hmm. That's not the way of the cowboy. That's not the way of this kind of guy. Right, the stranger. Yeah, no, you he's know? Yeah. he's come. He came to town for revenge. He was whittling yeah. his 
you know, he's whittling his stick. And uh, once when he's, he's done, done whittling, whittling he's done. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he got his revenge. He kills Frank and he's he's off for, you know, and yeah. who knows? I mean, who knows yeah, what his who knows what his his life his life is a bit about this revenge for all yeah. of this time. Yeah. For um, sure. What does he do next? Now what? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think, that, you know, now what is a great question for him for the yeah. sequel, too, if we ever were to make that. Yeah. Um, um I, I want to stop down for a minute just on the bar the saloon scene towards the beginning oh where yeah th- our three titular characters our three main protagonists meet and we get this incredible score behind cheyenne and his men coming into the saloon that i i thought at first i have it written down at first as being cheyenne's theme mm-hmm. but then that theme plays throughout the entire movie disconnected from him at different points so is that the one that's kind of like it's like it kind of sounds like the imperial march yeah yeah so i think that is like i was trying to place these because it was Mm. obviously the jill theme right which is like the operatic score yeah i'm pretty sure that's what we use for the intro and outro yeah um there's the harmonica focus song which is obviously harmonica's theme and then the one and this is the one that plays in the cheyenne death scene as well yes and that's what I think clues me in that that is Cheyenne's song. Okay. And whenever you're watching, like, I think there's a way you could watch this movie and you watch it exclusively focus on, like, whoever's song is playing, yeah. that is who you should be clued in on for the scene. Got it. Kind of like um, how we like to say about Lost, like, every time I rewatch Lost, I try to focus on a different character and their journey. Like, I think you could do that with this film. Yeah. yeah. And I, I feel like there's probably a Frank theme, but I, like, mm. am not, it's not coming to like mind right now it, yeah. um, what, what the Frank um, theme was. And I, I like, I'm Frank is such a good villain, and I yeah, love that it's really Henry good. Fonda. And I just think of like mm. Henry Fonda and all the other roles I've seen him in, and some of which are going to come up. And he's just never—I've never seen him in a role where he is the villain, and he just like—he's not your typical. Like, he's almost like a—he's like mm. like a Walter White almost, right? Where he's like a complicated yeah. villain, he's and very- he does these terrible things, but you can tell, like, you can see how he's rationalizing it to himself. Oh, of course, yeah, right? because where he's he talks like- about the, he thinks he's a businessman. He's just trying to like. And then he realizes at the end that he's not a business, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, we're exactly. not a businessman. Yeah. He's a killer. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he's, but, he's, um, the, he's the hired henchman. So. Yeah, I, I freaking, I just, I love all the performances in this movie. I think everybody does a really great job. Um, You know, I, I don't know, like the scene where we haven't talked about her much and we should. Uh, Claudia Carnelli is um Jill. Jill, yeah. After the funeral and after the funeral for McBain and his whole family, She's in this lonely house mm-hmm. all by herself, and she's just, like, trying to figure out what the hell to do next. And, and she's that's just where searching she finds through the all the drawers. And the, she's, yeah, yeah, she finds the model of the train station yeah. and is like, what is this? Like, what is this house, what is this, this model? Yeah. And it takes until, like, until There's no start... money in the house, and then that's, right. like, that's sort of the clue that the money is actually in the clan that McBain had for the place. Mm-hmm, like Not, it's already invested. Yeah, it's already invested. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's I I really love her her arc throughout the movie as like at first you think that she's gonna be this like damsel in distress and she's a hundred percent not right. at all like I mean no, she is, and she knows I mean and like she's a former prostitute in yeah. in New Orleans right and that yeah. she like and they talk about you know that Brett McBain probably knew that right and that's what he right. liked about you but he like you know was it whether it's like he rescued her was or it for she, an hour or was it for a day yeah right. Well, and, he, and and Cheyenne talks about that with his own mom too. And yeah, his own mom was exactly. a prostitute. Yeah, and that um, made great coffee, said, just like right, you. Yeah, yeah. They, they t- um, 
I, I wrote that down too about the coffee. I had, I yeah, had some of the coffee quotes coffee. As, as my intro, but mm-hmm. um, yeah. And, and I think like the treatment of Jill mm-hmm. is like, it's off-putting from a 2023 perspective, right? Where, mm-hmm. where Shane is like, just go out there. If they slap your ass, just ignore it. Like, exactly, you know, yeah. just take it. But you think about the time period where this movie was made and the time period where this movie takes place. And it's like, Hey, like, yeah, if you want to survive in the West, like, mm-hmm. You gotta use you gotta use your sex appeal to get ahead, and you well, gotta like this is just like mm-hmm. the this is the way that that society was, and I think that it's yeah. like it's not beating around the bush, and it's not like a it's not a progressive right. message, but at the same time it's like you can see that like Jill has these these smarts about her, right? And like this is how she's gonna be able to be the empire or the emperor of yeah. this new empire that she's building. Yeah, like after meeting Harmonica for the first time at the end. Uh, and Cheyenne at the saloon, she goes back to the house and she's, you know, going through all this stuff. And then like it gets dark and she hears the harmonica outside and she she knows it's probably a harmonica guy, but he's not saying anything. And so she just grabs a shotgun and shoots into the night air. Mm-hmm. And it's because like and that says a lot about her character where she's not afraid to pick up a gun and defend herself like she's not going to let herself get hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, and I really like that. Like, I, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, yeah. whereas, like, I mean, you take a movie with, like, Rio Bravo, and the Angie Dickinson character might be willing to pick up a potted plant and throw it at somebody, but she would never pick up a gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. All right. What? Uh, <laughs> let's see. What else? I, I almost want to, like, maybe go to feedback just to, like, yeah, get some other ideas in here to talk yeah, about. Oh. Of course. Uh, well, okay. Let, let's actually... So I feel like we should talk about like some of the comedic stuff because oh yeah you and I both laughed at the same part yeah which is when Cheyenne drops they're in the train uh, Harmonica yeah. is is taken captive by Frank mm. and by by Morton and then Harmonica is like sneaking on or uh, Cheyenne is sneaking onto the train and yeah. he just kind of like pops down um, yeah. and you see him and it's almost like it reminds me of like Kramer. Like, yeah, just it's like, ridiculous. Like, like humor. you just see his head, like the top of his head at first, and then he's, he like slowly comes into frame, and Shia, and uh, Harmonica is the only one that can see him through the window at first, and Charlie Charles Bronson gets just this crafty smile on his face when he sees Cheyenne in the window, and it's just like that's why I said to you that there is. There's a way to read this movie that it really is a good movie for Valentine's Day yeah. <laughs> because it's uh, the budding bromance that happens in this movie between Cheyenne and Harmonica is really, really fun stuff. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of really good back and forth moments between the two of them and especially this train rescue by Cheyenne when Harmonica is captured by Morton is like really good stuff, really riveting. I love a good train sequence. And we get a couple of really good trains. Oh, and I just love the train as a setting for yeah. like the the villain's lair is the train mm. is like this train. Like I just it's love and I love it's, the way the train looks and it's got the it's got the bars all over it, which yeah, I think so is to can help around. Yeah, to help Morton walk around because he's got tuberculosis. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a symbolism for industrialization, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I just, I, I really like the train and I like that, like they yeah. use the train and they like move to different locations. Like it's almost like a spaceship basically. Yeah. Like if this was a science fiction movie, that's like their spaceship. It's their, sure. their like yeah. star destroyer. Um, and I love in that scene, the way that Cheyenne puts the boot down. Oh and yeah. With the gun, that he's got the yeah. gun in the boot and he shoots through the, through the boot. I thought that was really cool. Window. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was um, fantastic. I've never seen that in any movie before or since, where somebody uses their own shoe to to fake out somebody and shoot them through the shoe. That, no, that's, yeah, it's, that it's was a new inventive. one. That was a new uh, one for you. Yeah. yeah, and I think I now I have this written down in my notes next to each other. I think it was the same scene, but is this the same scene where Frank kills um, Will's Wobbles? Kills Wobbles? Because I think in that scene, this is where he's talking to Wobbles, and he Wobbles is the guy who worked the laundromat that was oh right right right, right. format yeah. for Frank, who kind yeah, of yeah somehow I, I'm still a little confused on the relationship he has with Harmonica, but Frank yeah. says you don't trust. A well, guy he's a with suspenders. Yeah. yeah, he's like you don't trust a guy with suspenders and a belt. Brennan, have you ever worn suspenders and a belt? You Absolutely not. I mean, I might have when I was a child, when mm. you know, not like I mean, I'm sure there's a picture of me as a kid wearing suspenders and a belt at the same time. But mm. no, not as an adult. You don't wear yeah. suspenders and a belt. And so, and so, <laughs> eventually in that scene, Frank kicks like he holds onto the top of the bars to help Morton walk. Yeah kicks wobbles out of the train wobbles falls wobbles stands up and when he stands up he sees uh that cheyenne is under the train and again yeah. this is where we get one of those like this is another scene it's that makes so me laugh because cool. like yeah. the yeah like the look that cheyenne gives him like he, he you it's know like, shushes him and he just gives yeah. this like you almost like career enthusiasm music under like, and he's like scene. frank wait and it's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and he tries to say something to frank and then frank not only shoots him but shoots him through each suspender and then through yeah. the belt and yeah. it's like it's just like that's why I use, yeah. that's why I use that line as my intro for this episode because I think that line is really funny and mm. then also that pays off with the way that Wobbles gets killed sure. um, and that's how the rat gets killed is just yeah. it's just great and then I think at that point then Cheyenne climbs the train and then he jumps down. yeah exactly yeah I I really love that sequence as well um, yeah this is um yeah do you, do you I mean we're gonna get into this with the hero in the movie but like do you never mind let's just say that for after feedback. Because okay. I'm gonna ask you who who you went away this rewatch with the strongest impression of, but that's yeah, that's hero of the movie. That's stuff. a very hard. Dis- that's yeah, a very that's hard hero of the movie stuff. So, um, yeah. Uh, all right. Um, yeah, and I do think when you were talking about the bromance between Cheyenne mm-hmm. and Harmonica, I think there is another version, like an alternate version of this movie where Cheyenne doesn't get killed at the end. Yeah. He didn't get shot, and they go off and together. the two of yeah. them ride off into the sunset together and become like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance. Kid Basically, yes. Yeah, so. I think so too. Yeah. yeah, no, I think um, I, mean, I, I think, like, is a I, great freaking connection to this movie, but you know, yep. yeah, definitely came out a year up. later, I think, or a year um, before. I think it was in the 70s, wasn't it? No, Sunday, but just Sunday is a 60s movie. Oh, okay, um, it yeah. came out in 67 or 69, I can't remember which. I, I do also yeah. really just like I love the bookends of like the scene mm-hmm. where like uh, Harmonica and Cheyenne meet and like. Uh, Cheyenne is in handcuffs and he mm-hmm. had just escaped and Harmonica like is the one to shoot the handcuffs to release him. Yep. Um, I think, or maybe it was the other guy in the, it might've been the other guy in the bar. Now that I think about it, mm-hmm. but just the bookends of that to where they end up in the ravine at the end yeah. when Shannon's like, I don't like, I think like the idea of like, I don't want you to see me die. is yeah. like, it's very interesting because it's, it's a, it's a very personal like, dying. Obviously is like a very personal thing. Exactly. And the, you just want to be left alone, right? Like, yeah. like you don't want to be, you don't want somebody else to witness this. You, you don't right. want to be th- this humiliation of like, I, I lost. Um, yeah. I think there's a lot of different ways to read him saying that he doesn't want Harmonica there. Yeah. And it's really interesting that he chose to ride off after Harmonica and let Harmonica be the one to say goodbye to him as he mm-hmm. was dying rather than staying with, um, with Jill and dying at her place. 
Mm-hmm. Like, he stays inside during the gunfight between Frank and Harmonica because he's already wounded. But you don't realize that until the end of the movie. Yeah. Like, you don't yep. realize that he's staying in there to protect Jill, but also because he's already been injured. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's really, really interesting. Uh, all right. Well, let's get into feedback. Um, all right. Why don't we start with my feedback? So why don't we start with yeah, my please. initial letterboxed review of this? So okay. this was back awesome. in January of 2021, January 27th of 2021. Yep. Um, I watched this for the first time. I said, this was so epic. From the oh, opening geez, scene, yeah. you could tell the shots, camera angles, and sound will be very stylized and deliberate. Most of it mm-hmm. worked. A few times felt cartoonish, but Leon was always going for it. The scenery and sets were gorgeous. The sound design stood out. Bugs, mm-hmm. animal sounds, windmills, footsteps, coins, yep. gunshots, water, trains. The sounds were as important as the dialogue in this movie. Mm-hmm. And when there weren't prominent sound effects, the emotional score took center stage. There was a lot to love about this. I was glued to the screen for nearly three hours of runtime, and I could have watched three hours more. I uh, just wish it had an intermission. I never felt <laughs> a slower pace because the payoffs were worthwhile. I'm excited to see if Leone matches this with the follow-up, which once upon a time in America, yeah. I, I think was what I was referencing there. Then... On January 30th, so three days later, I posted another letterbox <laughs> review, and I said, I rewatched this in chunks over the last few days, and a few things stuck out this time. The significance of water, mm. parentheses, sweet water, how yeah. apples are really the only thing that brought, only thing bright in this movie, and mm-hmm. how much the cuts convey. So yeah, I picked up sure. more on the rewatch the second time. Yep. All right, that's my feedback. Especially um, Leone loves a cut between people staring at each other. Yes. Just like faces, faces underneath the cowboy hat. He yeah. absolutely loves. And like super close ups, right? Like yeah. how many times super do we close have up on the face, face yeah. filling the yep. entire frame? Exactly. Yep. 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 All right. Now let's read some actual feedback from other people. Eli, right. so, Eli Wallach still has the best face. Good job. Um, all right, we kick things off with Alex O. And he's mm-hmm. Alex O, who's, it was his suggestion to watch yep. this movie. Now, Brendan, he said it was his first, and you said you thought maybe he had uh, another His first one win, um, but I thought he had at least had a co-win earlier uh, mm. last year, or late last year, but maybe I could be wrong. I didn't oh, okay. um, double-check that. But Cool. All right, well, Alex said, I had this on my list for to watch for a long time, so I was happy to see it picked. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a bit less happy for the first hour of the film after a good opening because it really takes us time to get going. But once it did, I mostly enjoyed it. The gun in the boot during the trains fight was my favorite fight scene moment. Uh, and all of the main characters theme songs were excellent with Cheyenne's being my favorite. His and harmonica's interactions were my favorite parts of the film. And I wish we had more of the movie of just with those two interacting. Uh, Jason Robards was just so electric. Yeah, I do. I mm, really yeah. like this movie makes me. I love all of the actors in this, but especially Jason Robards and Henry Fonda. I like totally fell in love with both of them after seeing this movie. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm I'm not gonna spoil my hero of the movie yet, but I mean, I, I have a strong lean. Where I'm leading a strong about, David you know, lean. Um, yeah, a strong David lean. Um, yeah. so yeah, just double check. This is Alex's first win. Um, he's okay. had a couple that have made the finals, but this is his first official win. So there yes. you go. All right. Uh, going back to going back to Alex's review. Yep. Uh, also, Henry Fonda is so horribly scummy in this. Mm-hmm. And going in, I had no idea he played the bad guy. His reveal probably meant more of the audience back then. Back then was, but was still a pretty wild moment, especially as it's, it is in the middle of him shooting all the McBain children. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so we didn't really talk too much about the McBain shoot. I wish. Yeah, about it's that. unfortunate. Um, yeah. Ugh. 
Well, it, it, I mean, but it's also like right before then you see McBain like slapping his kids again. Like yeah, another character he, who's like not all good, not all bad. Like this guy's right, like right. also an asshole. Right. And he's married. He married some prostitute from New Orleans. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like this guy is definitely complicated as well. Uh, he said, all right, according to Alex's review, taking us on. <laughs> uh, I overall enjoyed this, especially towards the end, but can't really give it as high a score as I would have liked. So mm-hmm. it's four out of five for Alex. And he says, P.S., why are some of Frank's men there at the station at the start to kill Harmonica when Frank doesn't even know who he is? No. Maybe I missed the explanation somewhere. They're there to meet Jill. No. Because they don't know what train she's coming in on. I don't think that's what it is. Oh, I maybe? thought they were there to meet Jill. Okay, that makes sense. I thought that they were there to meet Jill because yeah, they and they don't know what train. Because at the same time on. as that, they're yeah. also making the hit on the... Exactly. Um, on the, on the front. Yeah. yeah. So I thought they were there to meet Jill. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Uh, there's also an interaction between Wobbles and Harmonica where, Har- where Harmonica says you set like like talking about him setting up a meeting with Frank, but Frank didn't show up. And so uh, my yeah. thought was that and I don't quite understand that like Harmonica had Wobble like I guess maybe Harmonica had already been in town. And had mm-hmm. met Wobbles and had been like, set me up with, like, you know, Frank yeah. set me up with Frank. And then so Wobbles kind of like turned on Frank as well. Um, but I, that part sure. is all a little bit. Yeah, that, yeah that part's it's all a little, little bit confusing. It's I little... do like your your read on it that they were there to kill Jill. But I yeah. don't I don't even know if they knew Jill existed because they didn't know. They didn't know that. That's true. She, they didn't know Jill. Or, yeah, you're right. They, they, didn't didn't know know Jill. She, they definitely didn't know that she was married to McBain. I think they right. might have known he was prepping for uh, um, for the wedding. But I don't I mean, think they knew that she was his wife. Because maybe they were there as part of the plan. setup to make everybody think that the Cheyenne men basically were running roughshod over the town. Because mm-hmm. they were also wearing the same dusters that, you know, because um, Harmonica says, you know, the three guys that shot at me are wearing the exact same dusters that you're right. wearing right now. Yeah. So maybe that was part of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. No, um, I I really think that it was that Frank was supposed to go to that meeting and Frank sent his men instead of himself so that it. if it was a trap, if it was uh, a trap that yeah. he wasn't that he wasn't killed. He didn't Got put it. himself out there. So. Um, but speaking of those dusters, by the way, oh, my God, those dusters are so badass. Yeah, I want cool. one. They yeah. look so cool. Especially I, uh, like the with. Yeah. So cool. I, I really like in that scene the um, mm. that after Harmonica gets shot in the in like. At first, you don't even see it, and you're like, "Did they comp- all three mess? Are they stormtroopers?" Right. But right, right. And they actually do hit him on the shoulder, and then they, yeah. he puts his hand through like the button on his shirt, and he uses yeah. that as a makeshift sling. I thought it was very yeah. good. So. I, I thought maybe that they that it was going to be a thing of um, that he would get shot in the chest, but the harmonica would save him. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that, it, that it would hit the harmonica instead of him. Oh yeah, that, yeah. I'm glad that they didn't do that. But I do yeah, I'm I'm glad that he wears that. the harmonica around his his neck too, and yeah. then he eventually loses the harmonica. Um, yeah. So he'll have to go by some other nickname. At the end. So all right. Uh, uh, and Alex, uh, I will say that if you thought the first hour dragged a little bit, I think knowing the full story, I think at some point it. if you rewatch this, I think you would not be as bored with the first hour as you were because you fair. know kind of what what it's setting up. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right, uh, Olin says, this was a rewatch from about 15 months after initial viewing. Beautifully shot and constructed images, but just dragged a bit when I knew what was and was anticipating, or more just waiting to get to certain set pieces. Oh, so Olin on kind of the opposite side. Yeah, he, he, if he you just know where it's the going. opposite to say what you were just saying, yeah. Olin's saying the opposite of something I said. It's what? Like the first time Never happened. ever happened. Yeah. No. Uh, tried to watch the film from the viewpoint of the Jill character, 
Good to have a strong female co-lead. All dialogue was dubbed in, similar to Fitzcarraldo. Largely fine for the core four, but it really stood out and was pretty bad for many secondary characters. Also, while the atmospheric sounds were great, a lot of the Foley work at, and at, or of the action was pretty terrible. Original watch was a four, but movie ladder official ranking for this rewatch is a three. That's um, a shame. That's, that's uh, a shame. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so, yeah, no, I mean, the dubbing, I guess I... I I feel like it didn't I really bother me. Like, because I, I think because I had seen Good and the Bad and the Ugly, I was ready for the dubbing. Yeah. Like, because that's what Leone does. Yeah. And the dubbing and the sound, like the production of the sound, the yeah. issues with that is the kind of thing that on podcasts and stuff, like that bothers yeah. me so much. And on a new movie, that would bother me. Like, for this, I just kind of like let that stuff, that doesn't bother me. The, the, um, Lip sync sometimes where it wasn't straight on did kind of bug me because I have a soundbar that sometimes gets out of sync. Uh, yeah. And so I kept being like, oh, is my soundbar screwed up again? But no, yeah. it was just this movie. Um, I just don't know a lot about like the way that this movie was made in yeah. movies back then with the dubbing. And I was like, yeah. they're not speaking Italian. They're speaking English. Right. Their lips are moving English. Right. So it's not like you're watching a movie. It's a stylistic it's yeah. yeah, it's just, well, it's just, I think it's like a production thing where they, yeah. I don't know exactly why it's made that way. Um, and it's something I just didn't do my homework on, but yeah, uh, um, didn't bother me. But it's too bad that bothered. It, it's funny Olin brings up Fitzcarraldo because uh, Claudia Cardinelli was in Fitzcarraldo. Right, I think that's why yeah, I brought yeah. it up. Yeah. <laughs> so all right, uh, well that's a three from Olin. It's gonna bring down a yeah. bastard. All right, uh, that's all right. Fine. whatever. <laughs> Stefan says uh, one of my own takes that I actively don't like. Sergio Leone is overrated. He is mm. good but not great. His movies never capture me like the other films do the half dubbed half non-dubbed dialogue is always annoying and obvious uh this movie doesn't really find its legs for well over an hour into the runtime uh once it does it's actually pretty great so uh stefan kind of channeling both of the two reviews right before him yeah um yeah and welcome back stefan i feel like it's been a couple weeks since you've been in the yeah. mailbag uh, he says like, Fonda, Cardinelli, Robards, Bronson, and his harmonica are all great. The look and feel are also fantastic. I wish movies built sets like this more often these days. Mm-hmm. Less green screens, more wood and nails. The score is fun, yeah. familiar, and novel all at the same time. Rating is a four out of five. There you go. Nice. Um, Makes sense. Yeah. We didn't talk about like the setting really and like the but like in the sets and, and the way that yeah. it's, it's constructed. And I do think that stuff all looks really good. Um, yeah. I really, nails, like, the, I really love the overly large, like, comically too large train platform. Like, mm-hmm. that train platform is so freaking huge. Like, so it's much wider than, but no, like, the, pl- the actual platform where the people stand is so much wider leading from the station to where mm-hmm. the train tracks are than, like, it's, like, quadruple the size of, like, an average train platform that you would see now. It yeah. was like it was wild to me. It was huge. It was like yeah. that is a lot of platform. I, so I think like with Leone films, mm. I've liked all of the ones I've seen, but they are a particular pacing. Even Once Upon a Time sure. in America, which is the one he made in the eighties, yeah, um, and that one's yeah, I mean that that's a five hour movie. <laughs> yeah, but it's it. I feel like I like on all of them. Once you get to the end, like when you're in it, sometimes it can feel like a slog at times. Like especially this yeah. first hour that everybody's commenting on. Like it is like, all right, what are we doing here? Where are we? But once you get the full picture, I feel it like really it ties all just like in Once Upon a Time in America, the same thing. Like once you get the full picture of what that story is telling, 
and you get to the end, you're like, wow, that is like a that is a, a Thanksgiving meal of a movie that I just watched, and I had no idea like each each course was coming out. Now I'm like completely stuffed with how like epic and big this was. So that stuff all works for me. Speaking of the setting and the big train station, yeah. Did you notice in this movie? And I only know it because I saw the, the movie I'm about to reference way after this. But the shot when Jill walks in and the tra- the camera pulls up and you're initially looking through the train station, then you're above the train station. You look yeah. at the town and the music is swelling. That exact shot is in Back to the Future Part Three. Oh, it's the Back to the Future shot. I was like, I've seen this shot before. What is this? Yeah. So Back to the okay. Future borrows okay. a lot from both this movie and who the man who shot Liberty Valance. Yeah. Um, which we talked about during the Liberty Valance episode a lot yep. about a Buford Tannen character being a lot like Liberty Valance. But yep. this. We have that shot and like the whole town, the look of the uh, uh, 1880s Hill Valley. Mm-hmm. We have the clock, you know, we have the, the fake clock tower that's in the, yeah. that's in there. But also that the farmer that's out in the middle of nowhere yep. is named McBain and the farmer in the middle of nowhere is McFly, in, in, yeah. in McFly right? Like it's yep. an Irish farmer named McFly who lives yeah, outside exactly. of town. Like yep. it's, it's great. Um, in the <laughs> significance of trains in both movies too. I mean, mm-hmm. I have, I have back to the future part three on my list. Of suggestions because there yeah. are so many connections between that movie and this movie. Nice. Good. So, um, all right. Uh, why don't uh, I wrap things up with Jim? Um, nice. Jim says, Once Upon a Time in the West was very good. It takes its time letting the story unfold and allowing us to take in the scenery. That story comes together nicely. While the characters never become deep, the lack of pure and evil characters works well. It's purely evil, pure and evil characters works well. Instead, the characters are a pleasantly evolving mix of faction, factions with varying plans and motivations that lead to delicious conflict. It is clear why the film was so influential on Tarantino and other directors. Mm-hmm. Four and a half out of five from Jim, and he has a hero of the movie that he says is water, which water. is, is water. a good... Uh, yeah, good hero. Um, I agree. Yeah, I mean, you can really feel, especially with the grayness of the characters and the stylization of the characters, mm-hmm. a lot of Tarantino. Well, influence. I mean, clearly yeah. influenced him because he made a movie called yeah. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like exactly. he's borrowing yeah. right, and it's about people yeah. making westerns, so and yeah. making making Italian westerns or spaghetti exactly. westerns, no less. Yeah. And I mean, also, I mean, you could draw a map on this to you know the Hateful Eight and Django and and. Yeah. Uh, and Inglorious Bastards. Inglorious Bastards. That's the one I was trying to think of. Yes. I was thinking about Inglorious Bastards too. I think that one's a little bit more of like a squiggly line, but there's definitely a squiggly line between the two. I mean, you have the Frank character and the Hans Landa character who are pretty similarly mappable, I think. Right. And obviously, we already did Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is another movie that. Every time I watch that movie, I appreciate more and more about it. The first time I saw I it, I didn't even really movie. like it. And now I yeah. love and I've read the book and I've watched it like five times. Exactly. Um, that and this are both movies that for me grow on rewatch. I actually started a letterbox list recently of like movies that need to be seen multiple times to really be appreciated. And nice. I don't think this one needs to be on there because I think you can get out of it a lot out of it the first watch. But I do think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood definitely is one that for me qualifies on that list. Like for the first time I watched it, I didn't quite get what I was watching. And then once you know what you're watching and you watch it again, you're like, oh, okay, this this makes sense now. And now you just uh, need to go listen to the uh, Karina Longworth, you must remember this. Uh, oh yeah, series uh, on the Manson family, and uh, you'll get even I, more of it. Yeah, that's true. Once I 
finish all of my podcast backlog. Yeah, exactly. Once you finish uh, all your all the podcasts, all, all the podcasts, exactly. <laughs> All right, well, that's going to be a 3.875 from the listeners. Um, Zach, how did this rewatch Yeah, I'll treat go first. Uh, yeah. Let, why don't you go first? Yeah, yeah it yeah. makes sense, because my, my score's not a surprise. My score's a five. Full five pretties. Um, that was what it was before, and that's what it remains. I just, like, I think this movie has, you know, a couple couple of little things I can nitpick, but overall, this is one of a kind. Um, mm-hmm. This is probably, like, I have, it's not on my... Uh, Letterbox Mount Rushmore, but I think it might be like the next movie off of my Letterbox Mount Rushmore. It's my number <laughs> nice. five. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I haven't I haven't actually ranked all movies ever, but um, yeah, this just completely works for me. I think it's That's... like the payoff that you know. I do think like as you're watching it, you're sort of like, wait, what? This is like feeling slow. This is those things don't make sense. But the once you get the full picture. You know, the Pollock, you know, you have Pollock with his with his paintbrush getting mm-hmm. getting splatters of paint everywhere. I guess not really a brush, but like whatever he's splattering paint everywhere. And then once you step back and you see the whole canvas and the whole Sweetwater town. Also, Sweetwater is the name of the coffee shop in the library that I go to all the time. Like, I just I love this movie. The, I do not mm-hmm. like the cover art for the Blu-ray, which is why I didn't buy it, because the cover <laughs> art for the Blu-ray is terrible. Look it up. It yeah, is there so are a lot of bad poster art. For this, um, the yeah. one they use on Letterboxd, I like a lot. Um, yeah, that's like the classic one. Yeah. Um, and I just I love the settings. I love like the train settings, the villains layer. I I really like Frank's like cave hideout that we see in one scene yeah. too. Um, yeah. and yeah, I just think like I don't know this this to me this is my number one western as well. Um, I do have a, a top ten westerns list, and this one's number one on nice. that list as well. Yeah, I, I, just, I should do a I should do a westerns list. I mean, I've yeah. seen so many westerns at this point now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's gonna lead me to my score. Um, I don't think this is a perfect movie. I could see my rating of this bumping up on a rewatch. I do think that you're right that it is a movie that deserves a rewatch. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot to really love about this movie though, especially. Just the sound and the score and the the actors they chose are all really perfect for their roles. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think it's an overall perfect movie. Um, I don't know. Um, I think I'm about to give my fourth <laughs> my fourth four and a half of the <laughs> year so far. Yeah. <laughs> Use the fours. Uh, it's gonna be a four and a half Use for the me. Fours. Um, nice. Yeah, using the fours to give this a four and a half. Um, so that's gonna give us a four point four six overall. Um, which will be a 4.5 on Letterboxd. Um, all right. Uh, who's your hero of the movie? You can go first. Oh, this is, see, this is also really tough. Like, I could see giving it to the sound. I could see giving it to David, you know, not David Lee, you know, Sergio Leone. I could see giving it to Marconi. Um, quite honestly, I was so, I'm going to give it to the actor that surprised me the most in this film, and that's Jason Robards. Okay. I nice. was taken by Jason Robards in this film. I've never seen him in anything this old where he's like a much younger man than a lot of the movies. You know, even by the time he makes All the President's Men eight years later, he's playing a very older Jason Robards. Like an old well, man. He's, like, Ro- he's yeah. like this dirty, grizzled Jason Robards. Too, yeah, right? and he's I, like, yeah. I just, I found his character so compelling from the moment they, that he enters that saloon. Um, I, I absolutely love it. Um, I would probably choose something else on a rewatch, but I'm going to give it to Jason Robards in this. I think nice. he wins the film. I think he's my yeah. hero. He's yeah. got, I think he's got like the, I think the most interesting of the character scores too. I don't know if he's the best, but I think it's like 
Chester's gonna hate that I called this interesting, but uh, right. I just think like it's <laughs> it's got the most like the like like just the the like staccato nature of it. Um, and yeah, I yeah this as I was watching this movie, I was thinking like when Jason Robards shows up, when Shan shows up, I was just like I instantly had a smile on my face because yeah. that character like. Well, he, really, he enters really, the scene and you're not sure whether or not he's a good guy or a bad guy. Like at yeah, first, he's, because he, you don't know the Henry Fonda character yet, you're not sure whether this Jason Robards character is part of Henry Fonda's gang. Is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Right. What's his intention? And it's purposefully really tense between him and Harmonica when they first meet. Mm-hmm. Like you, you're you're waiting for like that turn where Jason Robert, where Cheyenne is going to turn out to be a bad guy, and when he's not, it's actually really nice. Mm-hmm. Well, because he enters and he's in handcuffs and he's dirty yeah. and he like enters and it's like almost like a you know like the the trope where like he enters the bar and everybody's quiet and turns exactly. because he yeah. does have. I mean, he was arrested for a reason. It's not like he's a good guy that was framed. Right, like he's right, actually right. like he was arrested because he's an outlaw. He an outlaw and he's, yeah. he's committed crimes, right? Like right. he's. Um, and yeah, I just, but I just think like he's almost like a like a, a warm blanket of a character for me. Right. And um, I I love all four of the performances of the lead actors. I love a, I, I like all four of the characters. I think if I had to rank the character arcs, um, I think like the character wise, Jill and Cheyenne are my two favorites. Right. Um, and I like, but I love I just Henry Fonda and this is my is my hero of the movie is what I'm trying to say. Like the performance. The character is like just everything is about it is just like he's so menacing. He's like the anti-hero of the movie. Um, and I, I love like when he goes out for the where he goes out for the the duel with yeah. harmonica and he takes off the jacket and just like throws it on the ground. Yeah, it's such a Western thing to do. Like, yeah. It's, yeah it's, and he's like he's the man in black, right? He's yes. the like that's he's literally the man in black. Yeah. Um you know, I think, and, you know, those... Harmonica literally says, my name is Harmonica Montoya. You killed my brother. Yeah. Prepare to die. Exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, and I, and <clears throat> I love the performance. I love that he's like, especially now that I've seen, um, <clears throat> was it the Lady Eve that Henry Fonda's yeah. in? It's um, fantastic. Where he's like, he's like, just like the bubbly nice guy. And, you know, Slapstick. there's a couple yeah. other movies where he's, he plays a very different role um, yeah. than this. And so like that he's playing against type is just um yeah i I mean you think about the heroic virtue of him in something like 12 angry men where he's the angry virtuous juror who's trying to do the right thing Mm -hmm. and everybody else is against him Mm -hmm. you know when it's like such a turn for him to be the bad guy here yeah um and i recently saw him uh as the president and failsafe as well um which if you've never seen that yes failsafe is very similar to um uh the kubrick one um dr strange love strange love but okay yeah it's a really good pairing with dr strange love so yeah. all right um so yes so henry fonda slash i mean really it's henry fonda is my hero of the movie not yeah. frank necessarily um all right uh box office box office not game so we do not have the box office list um for this movie because there is no box office list going back all the way back to 1968, at least on the sites that we use. Um, but we do have, Brennan did have the top 10 movies. I, this was not a big box office draw though. Um, mm. The budget for this a, was like 5 million and it made a little 5. over 5.3 here um, was much, a much bigger hit world um, across the, across the oh, pond. And, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, across the pond. So our top 10 films of 1968. So we'll just run through these. Uh, a lot of ones I've not heard of. Uh, the Green Beret, 
The yeah, Lion and uh, John Lane. Yep. Okay. Lion winner is Peter O'Toole and Catherine Hepburn. Uh, oh, nice. The epic state uh, adapted from the stage play about Henry II and Eleanor of Aquitaine. That's so come up on this podcast. Really fantastic. Yeah, I think I've, I think I've suggested it. Yeah. Uh, yours, mine, and ours. Is that the movie that was eventually remade into the like uh, family comedy? Or is that a different version? Could movie? be. I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, Romeo and Juliet. It does look like that's what that is. Uh, Romeo and Juliet. Uh, we have a tie for number six. Rosemary's Baby and Planet of the Apes. Um, nice. I've never actually seen the original Planet of the Apes, I don't think. Yeah. Um, okay. I've seen the I've seen the Mark Wahlberg one and I've seen yeah. the War of the Planet of the Apes, you know, like that. Those the, are good. Yeah. The sequels. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Of course, if we ever do War of the Planet of the Apes, we got to get Kevin Mahadale on. For any yeah, of those. Yeah. For the, for the podcast dream that I had. Uh, so number five, Oliver. Number four, Bullet. Number three, The Odd Couple. Yep. Number two, a movie that is on my Mount Rushmore of movies on on Letterbox, and that's 2001: A Space Odyssey. Yep. Um, just finished the book to that. Then are the, uh, the, the epic Perry from the 60s. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, and then uh, Funny Girl was number one, which I've never oh, seen. Wow. Funny Girl. Wild. Yeah, that's the um, Streisand musical. Yeah. Yep. Um, Oliver was the winner of Best Picture that year. Okay. Um, as well as Best Director, Best Actor. I feel like that's one where you could argue oh, not something actor, else should have won Best Picture. Yeah, 2001 A Space Odyssey should have won Best Picture. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, <laughs> let's see, what were the Oscars for that year? I had I had the list up. Yeah. Um, I do not have the list up anymore. Okay, I thought I did have the list. Let's see. Best Picture. We had Romeo and Juliet, Rachel, Rachel, The Lion in Winter, mean. Funny Girl, and then Oliver was the winner. Lion winner should have won oh, out of those five. Yeah. Uh, Carol Reed won Best Director for Oliver over Stanley Kubrick for 2001 of Space. That's Odyssey. insane. <laughs> what are we even doing here? Yeah. Please, uh, sir, I want my Oscar. Yeah. Um, uh, Catherine Hepburn won for Lion in Winter, yep. Best Actress. And Ruth okay. Gordon won Best Supporting Actress for Rosemary's Baby. Mm. Yeah. She's the neighbor, right? Yes. Ruth Gordon. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay. Very yeah. menacing. And speaking yeah, of, uh, really yeah. I guess, against type. I really, I really, really like Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. All right. Um, now we move on to Connections. Yes. So uh, Connections, other movies. Uh, so this movie has come up. It's. It has not come up as much as I thought for us as suggestions on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as I love this movie and I've I've told you to watch it. So the first time it came up was Magnolia, okay. Jason Robards. Yeah, uh, and that was yeah. a suggestion from you. Okay. Um, the fun thing about Magnolia is our final four that week was Boogie Nights, The Hours, Vanilla Sky, and Parenthood. So we have done our entire <laughs> Final Four from the Magnolia episode. So we've done everything, yeah. Uh, from the Final Four. From the, I, I don't know how many, I wonder how many podcasts we've done the full finals. We've done all the movies. Yay. Yeah. All four from the Magnolia episode. And those were all later that same year, right? I mean, we we did them all that year. So. Um, over the, that was two years ago, so it was over the Oh, uh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Um, then it came up episode 104 off of Parenthood. This was the last Again. episode of the year. Um, yeah. So this was anything was open, right? It yeah. didn't have to connect. But right. I suggested it. Jason Robards was in it and made the finals. Uh, yeah. But we ended up going with Michael Collins to kick off the uh, season three. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, and episode 122 last year, uh, mm-hmm. I suggested it off of Easy Rider. That makes uh, sense. Yeah. I don't remember why, though, um, what the connection to Easy Rider was. I mean, I guess maybe it was that we had Peter Fonda, and so it was, we went oh, to yeah. Henry Fonda. Henry Fonda, um, yeah. It was Fonda and then it was like people traveling out to the West. I would yeah. imagine it was that. I'm Fonda, you. Yeah. Would have exactly. been the title connection. I think that you made that same joke last year. I probably, I I probably uh, did. Then it came up off a of casino, which was the season finale last year. Yeah. 
Um, You suggested it. And it made the finals, um, Mm. but lost to Top Gun Maverick. Nice. Uh, We have not done the other movies from that one yet. And then finally, it came up last week off of The Treasure of Sierra Madre. And we picked it, and we did it. Um, We picked it, and we did it. Congratulations. We picked it, and we did it. Brennan, what are your uh, connections to Treasure of Sierra Madre? Yeah. Um, So we have, you know, we have water playing a major role in both movies. Significance of water. Uh, Significant, significant uses of uses and abuses of water in both films. Um, What else? We have a wily old man who, uh, in both films, who you know gives counsel to our lead characters. Yep. We have, let's see, somebody getting shot and left for dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have lots of horseplay between the two. Lots of horseplay, like that. Lots yeah. of horses. Um, uh, you know, uh, what else? Well, I'm like just like the the, the setting of being on the, the west. bad guy ambush in the west. Yeah, this yeah. takes place earlier because that one I think was the 1920s. Yep. Was uh, Treasure of Sierra Madre right? Wasn't that like yep. the around then or turn of the century? So this is a little bit before then. Um, there was the Gold Coin Hotel and the shootout, oh, yeah. which we didn't really talk too much about, like the tent shootout where Frank is being ambushed. Yeah. Um, By his own trying- men. Yeah. And and Cheyenne is helping him, right? Cheyenne yep. is like pointing out because Cheyenne or not Cheyenne, uh, oh, harmonica, uh, harmonica, yeah. Because harmonica wants to be the one to take out Frank, right? And he exactly. even says, Joe says, why did you save him? And he says, I didn't save him. I'm, save him. I'm, I'm saving him. I'm saving him. Right. That's I, a well, very significant connection to a movie that's going to come up in my connections later. And that he so, wants to yeah. be the one to take out Frank. Exactly. Uh, but we do see the gold yep. coin hotel, so it's like, ooh, gold. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and, and then just the value of water and kind of the setting yep. and things like that. Uh, well, and just like going back to town, right? We, we see a lot of like um, the downtown area, and then they, they just like in Treasure of Sierra Madre, where they're out in the country, and then they come back to bring the the burrows back, for example. Um, so. We also have a you know we have a good guy actor playing against type much later in his career mm. in Humphrey Bogart and uh, Henry Fonda in this. Yeah. Um, they also both have a scene where they have scraggly bushy beards and wild hair mm-hmm. there you go did um, humphrey bogart and henry fonda ever star in a movie together good question uh can't think of it off the top of my head but they had to have crossed paths at some point i feel like they probably did but yeah can't nothing is yeah can't like nothing's just kind of top of my head yeah I, I really haven't seen i've only seen four henry fonda movies just because a lot of them <laughs> are a lot older um and just like not stuff that's ever really like you know but yeah i'm surprised that i've only seen four of his four of his movies but um yeah, I was just I was just looking real quick. I don't see anything with with him. And uh, although, you know, we do have this movie and and uh, it's like Dallas, they were friends because there's lots of I'm sure I'm sure they were Hollywood guys, Hollywood, you know, there's probably yeah. like a once upon a time in Hollywood version where they're hanging out together. Um, all right. Connections to other movies from this year. So so far, we've done Top Gun Maverick, Pollock, yep. Secret Life of Walter Mitty, Into the Wild, Wild and Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Yeah, I mean, we talked about how water factors into um, all to the other two, into the wild, wild, and treasure of the Sierra Madre. All of them the had pond. characters that were at like a pond, like at a scummy, yep. dirty pond. At a scummy pond, yeah. And True. we had um, the Morton character; he dies. Like, and I really like the significance of him dying in water. Right, that that was his goal; yep. is he wanted water, and he dies in water. True. Yep. Um, and yeah, and just like kind of like. You know, going out on an adventure similar yep. to Secret Life of Walter Mitty, Pollock, and Top Gun Maverick. Um, I don't really have any other like huge connections to other things. Nothing's really year. jumping out at me. No. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, you do need water for a lot of paints to mix them when they were made mm-hmm. back sure. during Pollock time. So mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and Top Gun water, Maverick, water would have been very. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, and I mean, I do just want to point out in Magnolia, that Magnolia connection, Jason Robards mm. plays Tom Cruise's father in Magnolia. Oh, yeah, good point. Yep, yeah. Good connection. There you so, go. Um, all right. Uh, movie map. So what is movie the movie map. that you would track this on to the best from last um, year? I put Quiet Man. We have a man who comes in town with a mysterious past. People are trying to figure it out throughout the movie. This time, you know, it's John Wayne instead of Charles Bronson. And he has a violent past that he's trying to escape. Um, there's not really a, a revenge angle to it. But I thought that you could map, you know, the just in thematically the the John Wayne and the and the Charles Bronson backstories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Okay. I like that. Yeah. Um I think like this is an interesting one because this is an epic, but it's an epic that takes mm-hmm. place over like two days. Okay. Right. And so I want to like immediately I'm like, oh, we could connect this, you know, back to casino or back to Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. Um but those are those are epics over like a whole lifetime. Right. And this is just exactly. a few days. So I almost think like is E.T. the craziest movie map? Because it's like it's, it's a only weird. a couple days, but it's got that like it's got that score. And we have a visitor mm-hmm. from another place who comes in and then leaves at the end of the movie. Um, you know, if we put him on <laughs> and who communicates through a way other than words. Um, it's a bit of a stretch. He has a speaking yeah. spe- spell instead of a instead of a right, instead of a harmonica. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it's a little. Yeah, it's a little bit of a stretch, say, but I'll, I'll buy it. I'll do I'll buy it. Yeah, I think that's okay, a fun sure, movie map. I'll sure, do why not? Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, All right. Uh, one last thing. One last thing. Um, I thought it was really funny, and I couldn't quite get over it throughout this movie, that the farm that we're on is the McBain farm, and there's the character from The Simpsons who is the mm-hmm. background action star. Mm-hmm. who's in all of the, like, parody movies that are featured throughout, you know, the 20, 30-year run of The Simpsons, whose name is McBain. Yeah, I always think about the so watch there, always jokes about McBain. Yeah, so there's there's all these, like, McBain parodies, and so I wonder if there was ever a Once Upon a Time in the West McBain parody on The Simpsons. Um, mm. You know, I, I would be curious to find that out. But, yeah, yeah. That, was, that was my one last thing, is that I was, I was kind of tickled by the use of the name McBain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, man, all right, looking at my notes, I have so mm. many things that I'm like, oh, I could mention that. Yeah. I could mention that. Like, <laughs> um, I like speaking of sound effects, one of the sound effects I didn't bring up was when Frank returns to the train and his mm. men have all been killed, including Morton. The clock is ticking like so loudly. It reminds me of yeah. like that end of that scene of Breaking Bad where the yeah. watch is clicking really loudly. Um, that's not my one last thing. My one last thing is the closing credits, right? So we see mm-hmm. Jill. And she's giving water to all the men building the yeah. train. And then we finally see Once Upon a Time in the West, like, come up. But it comes up like one of those transitions that you put on PowerPoint where the yeah. words are, like, spinning. And, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, it's like, word art or something. <laughs> and it's just such a funny. That's, that's yeah, it's like, like, yeah, it's like, ooh, yeah. we got we got these computers now. We can do the fonts. Like, it's just so funny. That's, like, the they way the that they choose to, to show the. Right. That's the way they show. <laughs> they choose to show the closing credits and the, the title that's for this. Funny. But then, and I'll, I'll be curious, did you turn the movie off at that point, Brendan, or did you keep watching? It auto-ended it. Oh, because Amazon did it for me. Oh, okay. Because it auto-ended at that point from for on my player. Was there more? Well, it's like it's not really post-credit, but it's like okay. the, the credits roll over and you're just kind of seeing the the valley, you're seeing the men, okay. you know, the men drinking the water, uh Joe giving them the water. Right. The credits end. 
And then the camera pans over to Harmonica, and you see him on the horse with Shan's body riding oh. off. And this is where I said he's riding off like the other way of society. He's riding like past where the train tracks end. Oh, I totally missed that. And okay. you just see yeah. him like going off into like whatever he's going to do Like next. at the end of Shane. Yeah, I totally missed yeah. that. Oh, man. Yeah, so he's just like riding off and not really riding off into the sunset, but kind of riding off into the sunset. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's uh, not not quite post-credits, but like okay. still like a little bit of a post-credits. Missed that. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, fuck you, scre- streaming services. Yeah, Quit exactly. trying to autoplay. The autoplay, yeah. Yeah. Um, also, the Valentine's Day thing, I made this joke to you earlier, but yes. uh, and we didn't even talk about this, that Cheyenne always calls Morton Mr. Choo Choo. Yeah. And speaking <laughs> of The Simpsons, that reminds me of the Valentine's <laughs> I Choo Choo Choose You, uh, Mr. Choo Choo Choose You. So I thought that was going to be your one last thing, which is why I didn't use it, but I went yeah. with on a different Simpsons reference. But yeah, yeah. Um, it has a picture of a train. That's funny. Yeah. Oh, Ralph, you poor um, sweet kid. <laughs> and I just... Uh, I, every time the Cheyenne says Choo, Mr. Choo, Choo, Choo. Mr. Choo Choo, I think that's why like he's such a funny character because he's just like he yeah. says stuff like that. You're like, you call him Mr. Choo Choo, like that's such a cut down to like the <laughs> richest guy in town. Like, I know it's like, entire railroad. It's so dismissive. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's dismissive. It's like, oh, you're you're Mr. Choo Choo. Like I've got a train. You know, I've got. A, uh, <laughs> reminds me of some other movie. Um, so good. Like oh, um, yeah. No, I, I love I love train. I love that he calls him Mr. Choo Choo. It's it it. I love it's it. So funny to me. Um, all right. And Woody Strode is a nice connection back to. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Woody Strode was on Squar- in Spartacus. Was that what it was? Yeah. Uh, and Liberty Valance. And Liberty Valance. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I think that was our connection between Liberty and Valance. Man, yeah. um, and I love this movie like I love my coffee, which is, uh, I think this is yes. my letterbox review last night, which is uh, strong, good, and what did we say? I know I lost it. Hot, <laughs> strong, and good. That was that there was you go. hot, strong, good. Said. Yeah, that that's generally how you. Yeah, that's generally coffee. You know. That's how I like my coffee. And this that's movie is I, a. This movie's a, Everybody's sweating. It's very hot there. It's a very strong movie. It's a strong epic, and it's good. I give yep. this five stars. This is a good yep. movie. So there you go. Boom. speaking of good movies, let's see what kind of good movies we're going to get ourselves into next week because we're going to pick our movie for the 164th episode of the Movie Ladder Podcast. Fantastic. And. Um, we've done another one of my five stars. Maybe we'll do a, one of my five stars again. Maybe we'll do one of Brendan's five stars, or maybe we'll do a new one for both of us. Who knows? Well, uh, Let's get into uh, what we're going to pick. Once we do pick our movie for next week, send in your feedback at Ladder Movie on Twitter and Instagram, movieladder at gmail.com. And remember, check out the Movie Ladder on Letterboxd if you want to uh, see all the movies that have been suggested. We have our watch list there and all the movies we've covered as well. All right. Mm-hmm. Let's get into it. Yes. Okay. Um, oops, I'm looking at the wrong document. I'm like, where are all the suggestions? <laughs> wrong document. All right, Alex O, can you make it two in a row? Alex O, two in a row. We'll find out. Uh, another movie with Jason Robards and another mm-hmm. crime the powerful people are trying to get away with slash cover up. All the President's Men. Oh, we didn't do a title connection, Brendan. Oh, yeah, we didn't do title connection. We want yeah. to go back? I knew we forgot something. Yes, title yeah. connection. Um, well, you said you had one, so yes. I wasn't sweating it. <laughs> uh, title connection. Um, I was thinking just because of the significance of water. Mm-hmm. Um, and the you made this reference earlier, The Way of Water. That's good. I like it. Perfect. Okay. We're not doing Way of Water next week. so I No, think, but we'll just do The Way. It's not streaming yeah. yet. We'll do The Way of Water will be our title connection. I, I think that uh, that works for both. Okay. I don't know how significant water The West of Water? How about West of Water? Yeah, no, I don't like that. It's too much. I don't know. Once, once upon a water? No. <laughs> um, the only other thing is that there's, there is coffee in both movies. But I think The Way or of Water. Or we could say just, Sweet Water. How about just Sweet Water? Yeah, the way of water. It'll get some SEO for people who are looking for Avatar. SEO, man. All right, yeah. go for it. The way of water. 
because, um, you know, we've talk, I think it, it, it summarizes it well. We're doing that. All right. Um, that means it's the way of the future. Yeah, the way of the future. Exactly. The train is the way of the future. We're going the way of the West, yeah. the way of the water. Um, all right. Our keys would be delighted. So back to Alex's suggestions. The uh, All the President's Men was his suggestion. And his connection suggestions, Once Upon a Crime in the West. Ooh, I nice. like that. And Once Upon a Time in the West Wing. Ooh, I like that even better. I like that even better. Yeah, that's, that's very good. Um, also, speaking of like epic movies that um, I really, really liked, Nixon is an ep- epic movie that I liked mm-hmm. quite a bit. Um, and so Nixon ties to all the presidents. Yeah, have you all the pre- you've done all the presidents, man, right? Yes, but not in, a, not in a not I've never read the book and I have not watched okay. the movie in a long time. Um, and it's been on my rewatch list for a while. It's great. So. Yeah. yeah. Uh, another movie where a female protagonist is separated from her family and surrounded by crazy characters in a new land, Spirited Away. Nice. Um, I know Alex has been trying to get us to do an animated or an Absolutely. anime movie. So. Yep. All right, Olin has The Shootist from 1978. Given that both Treasure of the Sierra Madre and Once Upon a Time in the West starred the husbands of Lauren Bacall at the time. Oh, mm-hmm. did not pick up on that. Uh, wanted to link to one of her films. The Shootist seems like a good link, both thematically and quality-wise, where a notorious gunfighter killer develops a relationship with a widow. And uh, it was also John Wayne's final film. All right, the next one, The Professionals, 1966, Western, where Claudia, Claudia Cardinal and Woody Strode feature in an all-star cast. Interesting. I hadn't heard and, of The Professionals. Um, and then 1952, High Noon, noted yep. Western showdown film set around the arrival and departure of trains. Um, yep. This is one that High Noon, I think, was what I was a little bit uh, let down by when I saw it. So it'd be interesting to revisit yeah. it, see if I like it better on the rewatch, because... Um, it is, it is kind of, of a bummer. It's kind of a bummer of a film. Yeah, yeah I just I just was a little like not, I, I yeah. liked I liked the, I liked the idea of it a lot when I heard about it. I was really excited for it. Yeah, it's not even in my top ten. So yeah, um, I you know it's, I like Real Bravo a little bit better, and those movies are sort of mm. movies. Uh, do you know who Lauren McCall was uh, married to? That Owen is referencing uh, Humphrey Bogart, right? And then uh, Henry Fonda, right? Henry Fonda. Okay, yeah. I, yeah I'm, I didn't I didn't know the behind the scenes, but that is I, I do like that he pointed that out because I did not pick up on that. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim has uh, there's no better time to recommend Death Wish, another film where Charles Bronson's character is sent on a quest for blood by a murder of someone close to him. The role was Bronson's biggest part, but also yep. probably ruined his career. Yep, probably. I remember seeing because like, he ended up having to do eight more Death Wishes. Basically. Yeah, I remember seeing the sequels at the movie at yeah, the video store. Yeah. All right. Stefan has The Magnificent Seven, a Western with Charles Bronson. Uh, yeah, the classic one, not the remake. Yes, yeah. Uh, I like the I remake. Love, I do like the remake. I did it's just fun. watch a movie with Ethan Hawke and, uh, and yeah. Antoine Fuqua. I think we yeah. talked about it before the podcast, but mm-hmm. uh, Magnificent Seven also, he did that. Um, but no, the, the original. The Grapes of Wrath, Fonda on a Western adjacent film, mm-hmm. uh, and Toy Story, a movie about a cowboy that was named after Woody Strode. Yes, I think we talked about and that. And I have a title connection oh. for this. It's not quite as good as The uh, the Secret Life of Walter's Kitty, but <laughs> yes. Once Upon a Time in a Toy Chest. Ah, what's for, yes, I like that. Yeah. Too. Yep. All right. <laughs> Who goes first this week? Me. Uh, you do. Me. So, All right. None of mine have been taken. Um, well, so first one, I, I uh, an epic movie taking place out west. I just could not stop thinking about There Will Be Blood when I was watching this movie. I think it's just like more like 
thematic about expansion capitalism yeah the pacing too that like yeah. the movie i feel like really comes together by the end of the movie and right. as you're watching you don't really um so it's got that epic feel so there's not yeah. like a great like one-to-one connection but i think there's a mm-hmm. there's stuff there um henry fonda when i always think of henry fonda the movie that i always think of is on golden pond and i believe yeah. it's a blind spot for you it um is. yeah so uh it's henry fonda much older in his life um I've got Back to the Future Part 3. Yep. I've got that on my list. Um, I will throw that on there just because of all the connections. It would be kind of funny, too, if we did yeah. Back to the Future 1 and Back to the Future 3. Just um, skip two altogether. Right. And I think, like, even, like, the costumes, right? Because I was yeah, thinking about Back to the Future sure. 3, and when Doc sends Marty back, it's in 1955. So this yeah. movie hadn't come out yet. And so yeah. Doc sends Marty back in, like, this, like, really, like, bright Western, and he shows up, and everybody in the Hill Valley is like, why are you dressed like that? Well, he sends it back in 1985 in the... It, no, in Back to the Future 3, he's in 1955, he sends him back to 1885. So Got he it. sends him back with the knowledge of, like, this is how cowboys dress, because that's in 1955. Oh, right, because it's Gene Autry and stuff. Yeah. Right, but, like, then, you know, you know, when he gets back this movie, it's so based on this, that actually, they actually dress, like, much more similar to this movie. Yeah, and he ends up dressing like Clint Eastwood in all of the, right. you know, in The Man yeah. With No Name. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, that was a that was, that's Mr. Eastwood. All right. Um, the next one I will go with is The Hero. Um, yeah. So this is a movie I have on my list. It's from a couple of years ago. It stars uh, Chris Elliott's dad, Sam Elliott. Uh, uh, it's not his. It's not his dad. It's not really his dad. So. It's not his dad. Uh, he's. <laughs> uh, but he plays a former Western film icon who's living a comfortable existence, lending his golden voice to advertisements and smoking weed. So Ooh, it's like about an actor who used to be a former Western star. And, I love um, this. I yeah. love that connection. Good work. That's great. I've noticed that one on my list today. All right. So that is four. Um, yeah. I have one that I know I want to put on. I'm just trying to decide if I want to do another one. Um, do, do, do. Why not? Uh, all right. Uh, let's throw Bullet Train on there from last year. Significant Train, basically. It's probably not the best connection, but. Because um, no, we have people with different motivations, lots of gray area characters. Yeah. I haven't. I can't remember. I saw, did you see Bullet yeah, Train? I saw it theater. Yeah, I saw it in theaters. Okay. So the hero, Bullet Train. Um, I'm throwing one more on there. Sorry. We okay. don't have a lot of listener connections. I'm going to throw Rango on there, too. Um, nice. For a different kind of Western. I feel like if yeah. we watched Rango after watching this movie, we would notice references to this movie. Would be fun. Yeah. Um, oh, shit. I have one more I have to throw on here because I have Oops. a potential guest. This one Take is the one, one I, I told you I have a tentative guest lined up for. Um, and this is The Searchers. Yes. So I know I've it's a blind spot for you, Brendan. It's a blind yep. spot Western for you. Uh, I may have a guest to be determined. Right. You got to take one off go- then. That's okay. a lot of connections. Yeah, that's fine. Yep. Take Bullet Train off. Fine. Um, Bullet Train is on my on my also reigns. Good. Yeah. I, I, I forgot I was saving the searchers for my last one. And then I was like, yeah, oh, and I, I didn't need to I didn't need to rewatch Bullet Train anyway. So we're yeah. good. I do want to see that. Um. But if you do pick searchers, don't pick it because of the guests, just because they said they're potentially able to. Mm-hmm. So. Mm. All right. Okay. That That is all of mine. Okay. Um, what do you got? It's really hard to not just go all Westerns with this film. Like, it right. was really yes. hard to come up with connections. But there is a very specific plot similarity to a 1990s Mel Gibson crime drama called Payback. That is uh, all yes. about his character getting revenge. 
So that is my first with connection. Ronin, is, right? What's that? Not to be confused with Ronin. No, not to be confused with Ronin. Uh, so Payback is going to be my first one. I will throw a Western on there. I'm going to throw Tombstone on there. <laughs> it's it's a classic. It's a more modern classic than some of these Westerns, even though technically it's like it's the 30th old. year. It's the 30 year anniversary of Tombstone mm-hmm. that came out in 1993. Oh, interesting. So, so you got it would be interesting. movies on the brain, huh? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, I also thought about epic bromances. Uh, I wanted to throw RRR on there. Oh man, yes, epic bromances. I like that. Epic bromances. Um, let's see. What else do I want to do? I'm gonna do a more modern western that came out a couple years ago. Starring Kevin Costner and Robert Duvall of Range. And then that is. I always feel like that's like the prequel to Yellowstone. Yeah, <laughs> um, probably is. Um, and then I will throw on there. Oh man, there's so many good movies left on my also rats. I'm going to throw in the, the uh, Robert Rodriguez film, Once Upon a Time in Mexico. We talked a lot about Quentin Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino helped with this film. Um, and it, of course, it's another once upon a yep. once upon a time. Um, how many? Can you I do one, one more? more? Okay, yep, one more. more. Uh, last one. What else do I want to throw on there? Let me throw on. You know what? I will do another. No, no, I won't. I'm going to throw Inglorious Bastards in there. I think ah, we can nice. make it. I think we can make the connections work. This will be, you know, another it's a revenge of movie. Me. It's a revenge movie. This will be another one. Of me, uh, another week of me suggesting a glorious bastards. I I think we should do this movie. So there you go. Those are my six. Cool. I am shocked. I left Lots Twelve Angry Men off of my list because I yep. figured you or obviously the listeners hadn't, but I figured it would come up for sure. Um, um because it's, and it's you mentioned Star Wars time. so many times, and neither of us actually yeah. picked Star Wars. Um, I did. <laughs> so. uh, speaking of Star Wars, I feel like Frank, especially with the hat and like the yeah. really intense close-up, reminds me also of the Inquisitor that I only yeah. know from um, Andor or not Andor. What was what was the Inquisitor in? Obi-Wan is when the Inquisitor Oh, are you thinking of... Oh, yeah, 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 the Inquisitor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Inquisitor, whatever his name is. Yeah, yeah. And I know he's in, like, Rebels and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also... So I had Bullet Train that we didn't pick. I had Once Upon a Time in America. Yeah. Um, Once Upon a Time in China as well. Yeah. Another Once Upon a Time. <laughs> 12 Angry Man, Unstoppable for a train uh, yeah. movie. Yeah. And uh, Slow West is, is just another more modern yeah. Western. Um, I wrote down Failsafe, Bronson, Pale Rider, Rio Bravo, Unforgiven... Uh, Butch and Sundance, uh, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, um, Dead, The Deadwood film, um, Young Guns, uh, 310 to Yuma. Uh, I did think about 310 Sucker. to Yuma. Yeah. Uh, Hateful Eight and Django Unchained were also on my also hands. Yeah, lots of Tarantino. So, yeah, right. lots of Tarantino, for cool. sure. The influence is strong with this one. All right, let's start at the top. We have All the President's Men, Spirited Away, The Shootist. The Professionals, High Noon, Death Wish. Death Wish was also on my list. I don't remember if I mentioned that. Um, uh, the Magnificent Seven, The Grapes of Wrath, Toy Story, There Will Be Blood, On Golden Pond, Back to the Future 3, The Hero, Rango, The Searchers, Tombstone, Payback, RRR, Open Range, Once Upon a Time in Mexico, and Inglorious Bastards. I get to go first. I'm going to have a really hard time picking from your list, so I'm going to do my listener pick first. <laughs> and I'm going to go with all the President's Men. Ah, uh, nice. Okay, cool. Yeah. That was one that probably would have... 
made my list if I, you know, if I hadn't seen Alex write in with it. Mm-hmm. I didn't even bother writing it down. Yeah, I thought about that. It's on my rewatch list. Um, I'm going to actually go with High Noon. Um, nice. I think it's, like, pretty good connection. I think it's fairly short, too, right? I think it's, like, a, it a 90 minute. Yeah. Because yeah. it's... it's is it? It's either in real time or close to real time. It's, um, it's close to real time as it can be. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Gary Cooper defending the town. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I'm looking for like, help. Like, yeah. That it's, it's all about a train yeah. coming in and out of town. Um, yeah. So, uh, Grapes of Wrath also was on my short list to do because yeah. I've never seen it and like I does I'm assuming it takes place on like a farm or some sort of like type farm type prop like a ranch yeah. type property. Yeah, I would love to do Toy Story. I mean, Once Upon a Time in the Toy Chest is a great title. That is fiction. Yeah, maybe we can but, um, yeah, we can say Toy Story for some other time. Um, yeah. As far as your list, you've got some real bangers on here. Um, the Searchers is real tempting. I haven't seen it. Um, I just don't really feel like doing out a straight up Western is the thing. Like that's, mm-hmm. I understand that. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, there, so there will be what is also tempting, especially with Oscar week. Uh, looming large in a couple of weeks. Um, let's get uh, Golden Pond as well has been on my watch list. Our Golden Pond is the highest rated movie from the year I was born that I have not seen. I believe I said that last week, and I didn't get around to watching it this week, even though I was said I was going to. Oh, okay. Um, the hero is. I'm really intrigued by the hero. I think I'll probably add that to my watch list, even if we don't pick it. Um, right. I, I think on Golden Pond has a lot of Oscar things. I think right? I'm gonna pick on Golden Pond. Um. Yeah. Nominated for one, two, three, four, yeah, five, especially, six, seven, you know, eight, nine, ten awards at the Academy Awards. Like one, be- Henry Fonda, Catherine Hepburn, both won. Yeah. Um, as did Best Screenplay, and it yep. you know it was nominated for Picture, Director, and others. So. Yeah, I'm gonna pick up Golden Pond from your list. Um, the Fonda connection is is strong. Our Golden Pond is one I have not seen since I was a kid, and really the only thing I remember there's like one part of it that I remember. Um, okay. So, um. But it's Henry Fonda. Like, I tried a connection. If we picked that, would be Henry Fonda is nice because it's just like yeah. a nice grandpa. On, on Golden movie. Water. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That got significant water again. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, All right. From your water. list, um, I really don't like Tombstone. I just, I mean, it's I know, fine. It shocks like, me. Yeah. I'm just, just going to make you like anything. Tombstone. Um, open Range sounds painfully boring to me. Uh, yeah. Even though I know mean, nothing about it. I just am like, I, if I want to watch mm-hmm. Yellowstone, I'll watch Yellowstone. Right. I've never seen Payback. I do like that Payback is such a close connection. Payback R-R-R- is a really good connection. Yeah. Epic Bromance, RRR. I do like that. Um, yeah. Once Upon a Time in Mexico, I've never seen. Oh, uh, you've never seen Once Upon a Time in Mexico. No. I remember seen. liking it. I remember I watched, I saw it in theaters when it came out when I was in college. I remember um, really liking it. I'd be curious if it holds up. Yeah. And I think it is Robert Rodriguez, right? It um, is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, starring Johnny Depp, Antonio Banderas, Salma Hayek. Salma Hayek, yeah. 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 Um, like the Desperado, it's like yeah. the, the Desperado. Yeah, it's a film. it's a it's a sequel to Desperado. Oh, it is a sequel to Desperado because yes. there's also the other one, the El Mariachi. Um, yeah. El Mariachi, yes. But that said, um, I think I'm gonna go on Glorious Bastards. Um, I do like I do like how much we talked about Tarantino and how inspired yeah. by this movie Tarantino is. I don't know if this is the best. I mean, obviously, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a better connection to this from the Tarantino oeuvre, but. Um, I don't know. I think like I feel like if we watch that under the guise of like what connects that to Once Upon a Time in the West. I think we would pick up on a lot of like some of the like revenge we, elements and some of the like dark humor in that and stuff like and that. In the, the epic land, the way Tarantino uses the landscape of, you know, Austria in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's Austria, right? Where it's at? Uh, or is Austria it Ger- or Germany? I don't yeah, remember. Okay. 
Um, yeah. So, yes. All right. Yeah, I'll take uh, it. Quite a set of, of uh, Final Four. So we've got Payback All President's so Men, <laughs> High Noon, On Golden Pond, and Inglorious Bastards. All um, Oscar-nominated so, films. Oh, yeah. All right. So I need to do a little bit of... Uh, I was not loading this as we were talking, so I need to... Yeah. So. Um... All the President's Men, I believe, is probably on um, HBO Max, if I had to guess. Hi, dude, Should probably... we do the guess the streaming service Yeah, let's game? do the guess. Yeah, let's do the yeah. guess. Um, All the President's Men, I'm going to say HBO Max. Um, High Noon, I'm going to say Paramount Plus. Or not streaming. Not streaming for High Noon. Um, All Golden so Pond, I'm also going to say HBO Max or Peacock. And Glorious Bastards, I believe, is Netflix. Oh man, look at you! All right, yeah. well, let me put these in order now. So I'm all right. uh, sorry. All the presidents, man, you're correct. That is HBO Max. Boom, nailed it. High Noon is stars or rentable. Ah, darn. Um, and only eight, only eighty-five minutes, so even shorter than I was. Oh, thinking. nice. Uh, really good cast though. Um, yeah. Gary Cooper, Grace Kelly, Lord Lloyd Bridges. Yep. Uh, Lee Van Cleef. So Jack Elam. Oh, Jack. Yeah. We would have the Jack Elam connection as yeah. well. That that's why it was such a big deal that he cameoed in this is because oh, his role in High Noon. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, well, he's just like he has like a drunk like a cameo in High Noon. Um, yeah, that's what he's just said. Okay. Anyways, yeah. going back on Golden Pond, you were correct. That is on Peacock, also on Canopy as well. Nice. Um, so I would recommend Canopy so you don't have to deal with ads on Peacock. Nice. Um, Peacock. Getting rid of their get that free... Peacock Premium. Get that Peacock Premium, yo. I'm gonna have to because yeah. they give you they give you Peacock for free if you have Comcast and they're ending that this summer. Indeed. All the streaming services have run out of money and they are all getting terrible. Oh, Lord. Yeah, they are. Like Twitter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh Anna Glorious Bastards is uh rentable. Ah, rentable only. Okay. Yeah. Uh do you I mean all, like we said, all four Oscar nominated, do you have anything that you're leaning towards? I'm kind of with you about all... not wanting to do another straight up western i am um, yeah so I'm i think and the fact that it's not right. easily streamable i think like high noon maybe i'll just watch high noon at some point in the near future just to give it another shot but yeah. um even Olin only gave high noon three stars so yeah. it's all right high noon you're out of here um so there are much the, better westerns that were suggested on this podcast all right all the president's <laughs> you know? men on golden pond or inglorious bastards i'm inclined to remove Inglorious Bastards, just because I think like just because of the streamer. Yeah, well, because and like because we were like, well, it'd be fun to watch it with like the lens of like if Revenge yeah. is our is our connection. Like, there's a million Revenge movies. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, then we might as well pick Payback. Yeah, yeah. like a violent Revenge movie. Like, yes, yeah. I guess we or got Death that. Wish. Um, like Death Wish is literally what if it was McBain who survived the assassination of his family and went after all the people mm-hmm. and killed his family. That's what Death Wish is. Um, you know, oh, yeah. poor McBain. All right. Well, that's good. So we've got, we had this epic romance, right? And we yep. have Jason Robards in All the President's Men or Henry Fonda in On Golden Pond. Uh, and they're both such sweethearts in these two roles, too. Um, <laughs> like, Jason Robards is a great boss in All the President's Men. Um, playing a real life Ben Bradley. Um, yeah. Um, uh, on Golden I have Pond, been wanting to rewatch. All the President's Men for a while. And On Golden yeah. Pond, I haven't seen since I was a kid. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of our ones. listeners have seen On Golden Pond. Um, even Olin hasn't seen it now. He watched a bunch I of movies. I kind of want to pick it just for the Oscar ness of it. And the, the fact that it was on my list anyway that I was going to be watching sometime soon, I've never mm-hmm. seen it. Whereas we've both seen All the President's Men. True. I've never seen On Golden Pond. Yeah, we so, do another another Brendan Blindspot next week. Yeah, exactly. 
And maybe we could even get a guest. I don't know. Oh, maybe. Yeah. I think that this is a nice one for a guest. Um, yeah. Everybody has, you know, family and grandparents at exactly. some point in life they're parents. connected to. Um, yeah. Parents, right. grandparents. Yeah, let's let's do one golden pond. I think it'll be cute. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like we watched. Or make us, Jason... or make us both very sad. <laughs> yeah. It might be a little bit of that. Um, <laughs> it, I do think like with On Golden Pond, it's like we saw. Um, Jason Robards is the patriarch of his family. Now yeah. we're seeing Henry Fonda as the patriarch of his family. That's true. Um, yeah, with Magnolia. with Catherine Hepburn as well. So you know, two Hollywood icons. Yeah, I like in it. Our yep. Older years. Kate. Um, yeah. All right. Yep. Uh, on Golden Pond is yep. coming up next week. It is uh, streaming on Peacock, also on Canopy, also rentable. Um, it's actually like it looks like it's on a lot of the services with ads yeah. too, like Freebie, Tubi, Pluto, mm -hmm. Crackle. So if you're okay, I mean, Crackle. this is one. If you watched it with ads, yeah. I don't think it would be. You know, I don't think this one you're gonna like lose a ton with ads. Right. But if you do want to rent it, um, it's only two ninety nine to rent on Amazon. Also true. Yep. So. Or you could buy something on Amazon that gets you a digital credit and pay nothing for it. True. Yeah. That's a good point. Um. Yes. Yeah, so this was the nineteen eighty one Oscars. I mean, I'm sure we'll dig into what won that year. Absolutely. Um, Oh, inter yeah, this is an interesting Oscar. Oh, it actually year. came out, according to Letterboxd, it came out in 1981, but on every other list I've always grown up with, this is the best movie from the year I came, that I was born. So, Which, I don't know. We'll, well, we'll the year we were born was 1980, right? Yeah, I know. So we're going to have to look this up about exactly when it actually came out, because um, I have it listed as 1980, but... Yeah, no, I, I don't know why you have it for 1980. There's a 1979 play, huh, and the release date December 4th, 1981. Oh, well, then I'm, I've been wrong all these years. Right. Oh, my goodness. First oh, my time, God, look at me. First, first time, time for everything. Yeah. <laughs> I don't right. know why I always thought it was 1980. Yeah, I don't know. Weird. We're going to visit. We're going to go visit right, we'll Golden Pond. We visited lots of places. We visited the Pacific uh, Pacific Crest Trail. We visited the Alaska Wilderness. We visited all the places with Walter Mitty. Yep. Uh, visited Sierra Madre. We visited the West. We visited. Now it's time to vacation theme. by the pond. Yeah. yeah time to vacation by the is pond. Like going, going places. Yeah. Um, and only 109 minutes. Yeah. Breezy one to watch on your President's Day weekend. Yeah. There you go. All right. On Golden Pond coming up next week. Awesome. Brendan, um, what do you look forward to watching this week? Uh, really excited to go see Ant-Man Quantumania with our buddy Anthony on Saturday afternoon. Already got our tickets purchased. Uh, going to go get sandwiches at this new Italian deli that opened up in Union Market. Ahead well, of time, bigger so. than Ant-Man. Yeah, so looking forward to that. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? What do you What do you got coming on? Oh, good question. I feel like I should have been prepared for this because we do this every week, and I'm like, yeah. what am I going to watch? Um, well, I can I can stump a little while you look it up. Uh, it's a uh, music biopic week on yes. uh criterion so i'm going to be yeah. watching a grace jones documentary on criterion there's that and then i also have to pick my movie for uh the library ladder challenge for this yes. week which, which is nepo baby nepo baby um yeah. which was gonna be on golden pond but now oh. i'm gonna have to pick something else oh nice so, i'm glad I, that's I, I'm, I'm very glad to do that to you uh, yeah um, yeah i'm I, doing i'm gonna do women talking as my nepo baby Oh, because wow. Rooney Mara is in that, and so she's from. She comes from owners of two, like her parents or grandparents or something, are like owners of the Steelers and the Giants. Interesting. Um, yeah. So she's like from two very rich families. So I think that that counts as a nepo baby. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm gonna. I don't know if I'm gonna watch it this week, but I'm gonna watch it sometime soon. Um. And I'm gonna watch Ambulance 
for my personal movie ladder because nice. I just watched another movie with Jake Gyllenhaal and Emergency Services. Yeah, um, in, really in nice. the Guilty. So yeah, I'm excited to check out Ambulance. I've heard it's a lot of drone shots in Ambulance. So Good. yeah, I uh, I got out of my uh, Paul Newman section of my ladder on my personal ladder uh, recently uh, by watching. Um, oh, what did I watch? Uh, Man who came in from the cold. Um, directed by Martin Ritt, and I'm going to follow him as a director to watch the Sally Field uh, blue-collar union worker woman movie Norma Ray. So I'm nice. really excited to watch that for the first cool. time. All right, Brendan, we're approaching two hours. Let's go. All right. Uh, All right. Oh, you were just can, on Star Wars podcast, right? Yeah, um, uh, I was going to plug my Star Wars podcast. Um, so if you're interested, I uh, dropped a podcast on Post Show Recaps last night with Rich Filiberto catching everybody up on Bad Batch Season 2 on Disney Plus, um, and we'll have more Star Wars coverage coming to Post Show Recaps in the next few weeks as we get you ready for The Mandalorian Season 3, so Jeez. stay tuned. Are you going to be on Mando every week? Is that going to yes. be your, your spot? Oh, cool. Yes, I'll be on a feedback show for Mando every week. Yep. Oh, there's, we're doing two Mando We're doing podcasts. two Mando pods every week. They're so doing there'll two be a, There'll be an instant reaction pod on Wednesdays and a feedback show on Fridays. So there you go. Right. <laughs> I know how you feel. I know. <laughs> I'll, I'm, I'm, I'll be glad to listen to Brendan. All right. Well, uh, with that, Brendan, I think that's probably everything, right? Um, yeah, let's ride off into that. I tried to, yeah, let's ride off into the sunset. One of us is dead. One of us is still alive. Damn. Um, yeah, that's and uh, that's we're gonna we're gonna ride off to gold. Yeah, let's ride off to Golden Pond. Jesus. We'll see everybody. I, all right, whatever. Yeah, the, we <laughs> we really we don't fumble the bag at the end of this. We'll see everybody next week to watch on Golden Pond. reviews for this movie yeah there's only 105 of them <laughs> yeah. um oh my god uh, um, let's see oh here josh larson is good yeah to kick us off. an yeah. exaggerated fairy tale variation on the western big bad mm. wolf and all oh i do like there the you movie. go um, um i don't think that they've i don't think film spotting's ever done once upon a time in the west i'm hoping that they do that a sacred, find, no yeah i yeah. hope that they do a sacred cow review for uh as we get into their film spotting madness yeah i hope so too um Let's see. I, uh, what are some not super long ones? Something to do with death. Uh, that's uh, Nick says, been giving out a lot of fives lately. I choose to believe it's because I'm watching a lot of great films like this one. Five stars. Nice. Uh, Wes, bringing up a line that I loved and I totally forgot to bring up on our podcast. Yes. Uh, looks like we're shy one horse. No, yes, I love too, that. too many. Yes. What a great introduction <laughs> to harmonica. So. Yep. Very, very too, good. Too was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. A bunch of longer reviews for this one, um, which I get. Yeah. Uh, for sure. It took an Italian artist to see that the only thing worth a damn in America's past were all the individuals killed in order to build America's future. Ooh. And the railroads. Yep. Yep. Um, all right. One. Yep. That's, uh, I don't know. Right, Lots of good reviews. Go read the letterbox reviews because yeah. there's some good, like, 
essays on here, and I just don't want to read them all. Uh, here Sounds we go. This good. is a rewarding experience from start to finish, a masterpiece in true sense. It excels in every department, but what stands out to me are the intense character moments and the clever action sequences. The there West is brought to life by atmospheric cinematography and a chilling score. That is from Sid. Nice. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, I will talk to you later. I'm going to go see make you, some dinner. See you at Golden Pond, buddy. See you at Golden Pond, buddy.